comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to The Black Box. Speaking of moonshine, like there's a segue. I don't know where it's going. Go <laughs> about a month ago, about a month ago, I was uh, leaving work. I had a really, really bad day. I mean, it was just awful. But I needed to go to the barbershop because I had to get a haircut. And I go into the barbershop, and the guy that runs the shop, um, you know, we he always picks. If if he doesn't pick with you, that means he doesn't like you. And um, he's okay. a he's a real good dude, and uh, I feel bad for him because he's a Raiders fan, and the Raiders will probably never win or be successful for like at least another six years. I go in, and he's about you know he's almost done for the day, and I walk up to him, you know, give him some dap, and he's like, "Yo, you want some moonshine?" <laughs> and it's the first time I've ever heard him say anything like this ever, and then it's this is big ass mason jar, okay big ass mason jar and i was like this is when you know you are truly in a black barbershop is when a brother offers you moonshine and i was like you know what because he offered it to a couple other people he was like oh i ain't fucking with that i ain't fucking with that i was like you know what i've had a real bad day give me some <laughs> and he was like all right that's what i'm talking about clapped his hands Came clap back. your hands, everybody! <laughs> everybody, <laughs> clap your hands. He came, and he came back with uh, with two little cups. Gave me a shot. Gave him a sh- you know he gave himself a shot. Tap cups. Drank that stuff straight down. Man, that cleaned out my system for two weeks. Now you're bald. Yes. <laughs> but well, I know that my my barber said to me he started doing shots of moonshine with me. I think I'd find it, I'd go to the next chair over because I don't think he'd be in condition to cut my. I don't want that fucker with scissors. No, no, he, no. He doesn't cut my hair. He doesn't. He doesn't cut my hair. Another brother cuts my hair. But um, but um, you know, I took and and like you know, and it just like had it, it burned a little bit. But besides that, I was like lax for like two days. It burned so good. Yes, it actually it did. Now, would I drink it again? Probably not for another six months. But when I saw that mason jar, I was like, I am truly, truly home. So, <laughs> you know, because I'm serious, man. Like, it's been a while since I've seen some mason jars. Because, look, man, you know what kind of America we live in now. People don't make shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, only time I ever see mason jars is when I'm at my grandma's house. You know, my grandma's made preserves or, you know, she's mason jarred up some green beans or like some cucumbers or trying to pickle some cucumbers and stuff like that. Man, how many people do you know actually like make their own stuff or like can their own vegetables or make their own preserves? You know what I'm saying? Like preserves. People don't even call stuff preserves. Like, give me some jelly. Give me some jam. They don't know about the preserves. Say, where does, preserves. Where, does you, where does your grandmother live in the 1800s? No, man. She just likes making stuff for herself. She's a cook, you know. You know what I mean. She's, you know, that's how she was raised. You, you Come had, on, kids, get in the DeLorean. We're going to Grandma's house. <laughs> that's how it was, man. <laughs> so, you know, I got to give props to those that can, like, actually, like, you know, make their own foods and, and stuff like that. 
And I'm not saying that, like, you know, we went to the backyard and killed a cow and cut the cow up <laughs> or anything like that. Like, okay, this is the sirloin. This is You're the ribeye. You're just chasing around chickens with an axe. No, man. No, that ain't going to happen. Although, one, you know, I will tell you one day of the story where when I was at my grandma's house, um, my grandmother's uh, second husband, Mr. Collins. Mr. Collins was a retired, um, like, steel worker. And you know now that he now that you know he's at home all the time. When you know when, when, you know, when I was a kid, <coughs> excuse me, Zunheimen. Thank you. Well, you know he's retired and he has nothing better to do than to watch you know me and and um, you know my cousin stuff like that. We're all kids at the time, so he has nothing better to do but to watch us. But he's like, you know what? There's a garage, and the garage was like that was like his shop. That allowed him to either fix things or, like, make things or, you know, just and he would make all types of stuff, for, you know, to, for around the house, like shelves and this and that. But sometimes, you know, he would just just go on a limb and um, and just and just make some crazy shit. So in the bathroom, there would be there was this bucket and he would oh, tell boy. and he would tell everybody he would he would tell everyone when the soaps are down to a sliver. Take the sliver and throw it in the bucket. And he's like, "Don't ask why. Just put the slivers in the bucket." We're like, okay, what? yeah, just just hear me out. Hear me out. I don't know if I want. To. <laughs> you need to hear me out on this. So you know, you know, we wash our hands or take a take a bath, a shower, and then when the soap was down to like a real thin sliver, we just throw it in this bucket. So the bucket was full. And one day I go into the bathroom, and you know the bucket's gone. And um, I'm like, where'd the bucket go? And I was like, well, Mr. Collins must be in the garage. Let me go see. So I run to the garage. This man is smelting down all these soap slivers to create his own bar of soap. Now, in the back of my mind, as a child, I'm like, that's kind of cool. But at the same time, I'm like, because even young Sean was kind of anal retentive. It's like, how can you combine lava? I don't believe that. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I was. <laughs> uh, how can you combine lava, Irish Spring, Dove, and all these different soaps and make one soap? It's like a super soap. And, it is. And, and he made like two bars from this bucket. That soap could explode. <laughs> so then he takes the bars of soap, you know, after he, form, he gets them formed into a nice square. He even had a mold for it made a mold and just bloop so after it settled he took the soap to the bathroom he put it on on the bathroom on the bathroom sink he put it on a little dish on the bathroom sink and he was like go ahead and try it <laughs> and i would be the only one in the house at the time and so i'm like okay because like i was dirty anyway i was outside playing and, and whatnot so i go to start washing my hands and first off I'm like, how, why do I feel like, cause the soap was like this weird color and I started washing my hands. I'm like one, one fourth of it. I could feel the, uh, the, the pumice from the lava. And then the other part like felt like got my hands all tingly. And I was like, Mr. Collins, I don't think I should use this soap. And he was like, ain't nothing wrong with that soap, boy. Go ahead and use that soap. Thank God. Grandma came in. She was like, she was like, Walter, take that shit out of the bathroom. Ain't nobody going to use that soap. And she wow. took it. She took it out of my hands, and my hands were still tingling. 
<laughs> and I rinsed my hands off, and she was like, I, "She's like, I appreciate you trying." And she got on. She fussed at him for like fifteen minutes about that. So, but that's those are the things that he would do. You will not have experiences like that nowadays. They just don't exist. But I have been witness to them. I'm sorry, wow. I had to tell you about that soap, though. I had to tell you about. That. I had to. It had to happen. What was it made out of? Just it was just a it was like a, a lethal combination of it all soaps every, in the world. It was every soap that was ever used in that in that bathroom. Like I said, lava, Irish Spring, oil of Olay, Dove. Yeah, but lava is like an industrial soap. That's shit like mechanics use. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll see. But Mister Collins was a, was also a mechanic, so we would have lava on you know at the bathroom sink. So. I you know, he, he would have that at the bathroom sink. He was a mechanic, so he was used to stuff like that. So sometimes it would be there, and then Grandma would be like, this soap is too rough, and she'd pull out a bar of Dove. So, um, so you know, that's why we that's why we had it. And just seriously, any soap that you could think of, it was like the United Colors of Benetton in that bucket, dude. Okay? There were, like, all colors of soap in there. And so, like I said, when the, when, so when the bar came out, when he formed it, I'm like, this don't look right. But he did it. I mean, that's the type of stuff that he would do because he had free time on his hands. So, so yeah. That's what happens when you have too much free time. That's right. People start doing weird shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, at least the I'm I'm actually, I'm looking for an article so I can complain about it. That's (laughs) (laughs) So if you hear me clicking and shit. Yeah, no, I I hear it. I don't want to sound ignorant in my complaining and bitching. Mm Mm-hmm. What is this that got you all fired up to talk to me, man? Okay, first off, uh, I just want to say, everybody knows. And I feel bad because what what did we talk about the last time I was on the show? Oh, man. I think you, you were, was it some DC Comics saltiness? Yes, it was okay. my frustration at DC Comics. Okay. Well, now uh, that has grown <laughs> and I, I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> Tell them why you mad, son. You you want to know? Because yes. I'm going to let it out. I'm going to let it you, out. You let it out. First off, I want to say, fuck you, Bob Harris. I will challenge you to a cage match anywhere, anytime. Stop <laughs> destroying the things I love, you son of a bitch. <laughs> now, for those that don't know. You damn near bankrupted Marvel in the 90s. Now you're going to turn around and do it to DC? Well, that, see, there you go. You, you filled the people in. Uh, Bob Harris is also the EIC of DC Comics um, right now. So, yes. And, he, and, and Donnie is correct. He literally did almost bankrupt Marvel Comics in the 90s with his terrible decision-making. Um, and, and let me tell you something, man, okay? And all you people out there that don't think it's Bob Harris's fault, all right? You know what? Uh, a couple years ago, when Dan DiDio had that title, every little thing that went wrong, all of a sudden you want to throw in Dan DiDio's face. It's all Dan DiDio's fault, right? Huh? Uh-huh. And now he's co-publisher, and it's still his fault, right? No. And Bob Harris has his old job. But everybody's like, oh, what about Bob Harris? Nobody talks about Bob Harris. Well, I'm going to talk about Bob Harris right now. You're picking on Dan DiDio too damn much, Okay. 
Bob Harris is the one with these stupid-ass gimmicks. If you don't believe me, compare 90s Marvel to 2013 DC, and you're going to see. What are you going to see, Sean? What are you going to see? You're going to see gimmicks. You're going to see trifold covers. <laughs> you're going to see holograms. You, you're going to see foils, all kinds of foil, man. Gold foil, tin foil, aluminum foil. You're going to see it all. <laughs> So don't turn around and tell me, okay? And when when DC when 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 they shouldn't have, I can't talk. Should never. <laughs> they should never got rid of what's his name, man. Uh, Paul um, Levitz. Yelp. Well, they should have just kept all that in check because everything was fine when Paul Levitz was doing his thing and Dan Dio was doing his thing and Paul Levitz was a good filter for the Dio, but it seems like Bob Harris does not have a filter here at DC Comics. Well, but see, the thing is, do you, do you really think that when the changes started to flow in, that the Dio wanted Levitz around? My perception of it is that I don't think he wanted him around, dude. And that and that's and that's why you have what you have today. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just... Let me tell you something, dude. Okay? This is the thing that threw me off the, the deep end. All right. All right. Uh, DC is doing a Villains Month. All right. All right. And it's for a miniseries called Forever Evil, and it's a crossover. And um, they're they're doing uh, they're, they're they're doing multiple copies of every book. Multiple. Wait a minute. Explain this to me. What do you mean multiple copies? Well, there are going to be multiple books of every month, uh, every monthly title, pretty much. Okay. For the most part. Okay. Okay. So you're going to have one, two, three, four Justice Leagues. One, two, three, four Justice League of Americas. Uh, you're going to have one Green Arrow, two Aquaman. Two Flash, no, three Flash, I'm sorry. Two Earth Two, two Wonder Woman books, one, two, three, four action comics t uh, issues, one, two, three, four Superman titles, one Batman Superman title, one, two, three, four Batman issues, one, two, three, four detective issues. One, two, three, four Batman the Dark Knight issues. One, two, three, four Batman and Robin issues. Four Green Lantern issues. I mean, you mean like, like as in weekly? Yep. And I'm not done yet. You got, <laughs> you got one, two, two Justice League Dark, one Swamp Thing, two Teen Titans. Okay. <laughs> 52 weekly issues, all right? Okay. They raised the price to $4 an issue because it has a 3D hologram cover. <laughs> so not only, if you're only getting Justice League, not only you're asking people to, well, I think it might be a bad example because that's three ninety nine anyway. Um, but let's just say, uh, okay, uh, you buy the Flash every month. You love the Flash, right? Okay, and that's your shit. All right. Now, instead of getting one Flash title in a month, 
you have to order four. And they're not $2.99, they're $3.99. So not only are they making you order or asking you to order, no one's making you do shit, but asking you to order three times what you usually buy, we're going to charge you an extra $3 on top of that. Mm. Yeah, they can keep that shit. Uh, the the holiday. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, dude. I am going my DC order for the month of September when this is solicited. I believe it's solicited in September. Okay, will consist of the main miniseries for Forever Evil because I love this is the thing that kills me too is I love villains. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I do too. Uh, no, no question. Yes. And and I'm I'm interested as shit in this, but uh, just for the fact that of the multiple, I bitched more than enough times about Marvel double shipping mm-hmm. in a month, and this is like taking that to the nth degree, dude. And it's like, so I'm only for that that month. I'll be getting Wake from uh, from Schneider that miniseries. Uh, the new uh, Jeff Lemire miniseries that he's coming out, both vertical titles, Vertigo titles, sorry, it's <laughs> early. And I'll be getting the main DC Forever Evil miniseries. Okay, so there is there is a miniseries to go with those 52 additional books. Right. Now, is that miniseries also weekly? Or is that I'm a... Not, or, I'm not sure. I, I, I can't, I'm not really sure. I, I mean, I'll have to look. Um, That's crazy. I'm, but why would I mean it, each ep, each issue, dude, focuses on a different villain, right? And I understand that DC Comics, like just like Marvel, they have a lot of characters. So yes, right. they probably have a lot of villains, especially ones that they can quote unquote reinvent or reimagine. Right. For this new fifty-two, but, and that's what they're doing. And some of them, but some of them are just you know they're freaking. Uh, Characters you've already that have already been introduced, right? Well, well, the, the whole thing is is that this is a big cash grab. It's a big cash grab in the fact that over the months their sales have waned, and it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the fact that yeah they're selling two ninety nine books, so they're not making as much money. No, that's not the case. It's just that a lot of these books are bad. You, you know what I mean? Uh, they are a lot of those DC books are just really bad, and plus. They've put themselves in a situation where they'll start a book, and the book may actually be good, mm-hmm. but but the numbers may not be what they want out the gate. And instead of letting a book build and possibly find its audience in in a in a, in a direct market that can be very like fickle at times, they just cancel it and they throw something else against the wall to see if it sticks. You know, we talked about this, like when you talked about Amethyst. Is like I thought that was a great book to to bring back, mm-hmm. um, but did they really give it a shot? I see. The thing is, they put out a lot of books with no confidence, right? I mean, literally. I, in all seriousness, they put out a lot of books and show no confidence in anything, like almost anything they put out there. Very few books they put that confidence out there, like that new Superman book that's coming out with Snyder and, and Jim Lee. They have confidence in that, and there's a reason sure. why. They, there's a reason and they're selling it for five dollars an issue. See exactly, exactly, because they one they have confidence in it, and two they're banking off of the the new Superman movie, um, as as like a way to say, yo, you need to get this Superman book. When in honesty, 
the best Superman book right now, and that's no offense, this is no offense to Scott Snyder, the best Superman book right now is that digital version of Superman with various artists. Like, there's an issue with Chris Somney doing the artwork. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, the uh, Like, the DC digital original stuff, you know, the stuff that you can't find in stores, or the stuff that's collected later and put in stores, those books are actually pretty good. You know, because they took... You know, Jim Lee and them took that playbook that Zuda had. And for people that don't remember Zuda comics, it was a it began as like this um, contest thing where people would submit comics to Zuda. And then if Zuda liked the comic, they would put it up on the on, on their website and you would read all these different comics and you would vote for the comic that you wanted to go on. And um, and it was a really it was a really cool thing, like um, artist by the name of Matthew Petz. Um, became uh, pretty well known for his um, for like he had a comic it was kind of like War of the Worlds meets uh, meets like um, an- animals where like animals had to stop an alien invasion is you know it's an incredible book but um, but you know that's how Zuda like really started to get some acclaim because it was technically part of DC but this was their new way to uh, you know get stuff out there to people and also test the digital market and this is when the digital market was in its infancy um, at that time like really the only digital comics vendor I think at that time was drive drive through comics comics plus was still like an infant and comicsology right. was was still in like a de- developmental developmental stage so now you start to have all these changes at DC DC becomes DC entertainment um, you know they're like wait a minute all these creator creator owned contracts gotta go Zuda gets shut down and this is when Zuda was about to make a new change. But Zuda had a playbook in place to introduce, you know, DC DC characters and like digital in, in digital original series and some other things as well. So they picked up that playbook that Zuda had and, and they've been using that for these um, DC digital original series. And they're really good. So I'll give them props on that. But um, and I under, like I said, I even though I don't like the way it went down like i said before once warner brothers really started to pay attention to dc comics a lot of things were going to change that's why things at vertigo changed like the right. all, like all these creator owned contract things that's man creator owned no longer exists at dc Okay. There's barely even a vertigo, dude. Well, yeah, because see, they're even you know, oh yeah, because they uprooted a ton of those characters and put them in, into DC proper. Right. You you know what I mean? Right. It it just doesn't. But you can't tell them cast nothing, um, because that's just how they're going to run their business. But yeah, um, you know, you know, Karen Berger stepped away because she knew that the tide was changing. And the thing is, is that the biggest problem with comics right now, as far as like DC comics goes, um, especially with like especially with the whole changes at Vertigo. Is that what they're trying to do is is make every book for everybody. You can't make things for everyone. It doesn't work that way. You can't. Right. Okay? Like, you can make a hamburger for everybody. That's McDonald's. And it still doesn't mean that I'm going to eat the shit. Right. Okay? You, you can't do art that way. And this is what happens when you put... Some when you sometimes put like people in charge of things that have no sense of what art is about and also don't understand the differences between art and commerce commerce and how to make them work successfully in the long run. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's not like a pot shot. That's just serious truth. Yeah, I know they got, I'm, I'm sure they got execs breathing down their backs, which then in turn, which in turn makes editorial even more jacked up, which in turn puts even more pressure on writers and artists. As a matter of fact, um, Paul Jenkins talked about this as to why he yes. left left DC Comics and then moved on to do, to do an exclusive with Boom, and he was just being honest. And it's yep. not, and, and you know, people are like, "Well, you know, Paul Jenkins is just salty," but he's not. If you read that yeah. article, he's really not. He's, he's really just not telling. It's very factual. It's it's very a matter of fact. It's not. Uh, you know, he doesn't name names. He's not like you know, this guy made me do this. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where. There have been creators that said, look, you know, my editors wanted me to do stuff and I don't want to do that. You know, when I had an idea for a story, it's not what I wanted to do. And, you know, uh, whereas, you know, and and this is a dude who's been in the game for a minute, too. So, you know, he was just like, look, they asked me to write a story. I wrote a story. And then they're telling me, well, you can't do this until until you talk to this guy and see if he's using this for that. And you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this and this and that. And he's like, you know what, Ted, why'd you even hire me to write this thing, basically, you know? But, I mean, even, um, I forgot, was it at uh, DenverCon? Where George Perez even said uh, he would never write a comic for DC for a long time. Yeah, well, no, that that was like last year. Was it last year because that, of all the Superman? Because of all the Superman stuff, on. like you know, he loves Superman. They gave yeah. him, you know, it was like, "Yo, Superman is yours," and then he realized that it technically wasn't his because yeah. every three every three pages he wrote, he had a they made him check and see what Grant Morrison was doing in Action Comics, right? Or or better yet, they he would be working on something and then they wouldn't tell him what was going on because they're trying to make everything correlate together, and sometimes that doesn't work. And I'm like, you upset one of the greatest creators in the history of comics. You, you know what I mean? It's, you know, I mean, that'd be the type of shit that if Jack Kirby was still alive, he'd walk into them dudes' offices with a bat and probably beat shit Just out. punch people in the face and blow cigar smoke. Yep. Like, I'm the king, bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Suck my crackle. <laughs> but... It's all right. It, so let's it's, hang it's on. Just, let's no, see. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. I I, uh, I found an article. Uh, the first line wide crossover miniseries of DC Comics New Fifty Two is Forever Evil. Okay, Forever Evil will launch during Villains Month. The DC DC confirmed to us Forever Evil Number One will be alongside various villain retitlings, which are listed as special point one issues. But see, they're not, are they? They're point one, point two, point three, and point four. Let me tell you something, dude. If this was, even if they raised the price a dollar and they just did one issue and they gave me a double-sized issue for every title, mm-hmm. do you know how excited I would be for this? Yeah. It's, I told you. I would lose my shit. It's, it, it's a cash grab. To read Two-Face number one. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, com- I would ignore it. But I would not complain about three D covers. I just wouldn't care. Right, but when but when you're trying to push fifty two you know fifty two books in one month, and most of those are, are going to be weekly titles that are normally not weekly titles, which means that you may have a situation where you have a lot of things that are possibly rushed. Yeah, 
you're going it's i like i said man i i don't really see i really don't see that much good coming out of this if people enjoy it that's they that's your call and i'm going to tell everybody who's listening right now by time uh by time convention season next year starts 90% of these books will be in 50 cent dollar or dollar bins cuz cuz uh stores are going to order these and people are going to pick and choose and they're going to get stuck with a shit ton of this and a shit ton of that and like for me besides the main mini there I am just I'm uh I'm going to pretty much ignore it you know and I'll tell you right now if the mini if the mini comes out and it's weekly I'm not getting that either and for the first time in 38 years, uh, no, 31 years, sorry, I'm not that old. In 31 years, I will be getting two DC books in one month. Mm. Do you know what I, well, before they started canceling my title, Sean, I was up to 33. I was reading 33 of their books. Right, right. I know. I, I, I know, like, you tried your best to support the new 52 when it, when it started. You were all for it. I, well, first I was salty because they were taking away my continuity, and then I realized, you know what? It's not my continuity. It's DC Comics continuity, and they can do what they want with it. Right. Just like now, they can do what they want with their books, but don't mean I got to buy them. I find this to be, uh, this whole event, to be a slap in the face, uh, not just the fans for asking them to spend all this money. It's ridiculous. Do you realize that if you got every one of those books, just the crossover books alone for the main titles, it would cost you $207.50? Yeah, man. Okay? And even if DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service, is a great place to shop for your comics, that's where I go. It would, even if they do a 50% off bundle, that's still, what, uh, $104.25? That is 77% of my monthly comic budget. And I have a decent comic budget because I ain't got no kids. So now, say you got a $50 a month. You, you can't even afford to read, and you love DC, and you, can, you, you only got a budget for like 50 bucks. You can't even read the, the fucking DC event because they made it so un, unaffordable to their fans. Right, but see, what, once again, what they're hoping for is that stores order all the stuff and order enough of it to really boost their sales numbers to make it look like they're competing once again with Marvel. It's, it's a ploy. This, right. this whole thing is a ploy. And I, once again, I understand that it's a business, but when you've become... But this is just... it's. I, I know what you're saying. It's an obvious business, but... This, to me, as a guy who's been a fan for comics for for a very long time, this comes off desperate. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it does. Yeah, oh yeah. This, this comes off pathetic, and this tells me you don't care about your fans, and you don't care about retailers. Yeah, you don't care that retailers have to spend all this money on your shit. You know, but see, they just expect retailers to buy it, and this is what's happened. You know, ever since the quote-unquote big two became the big two in the retail industry, 
So I think sometimes those these publishers think that oh this is expected so they'll just buy it. But right. but what happens when the backlash comes? But the thing is also at the same time they know that there are readers who will continue to buy books even when the books are bad because the weird thing about Hello. Hello? That was me. Okay. I'm just saying hello. Oh, okay. I did that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the, the funny I'm thing, reading Teen Titans now just because it's called Teen Titans. That's the biggest piece of shit out on the stand. See, you need to stop reading it then, man. I told well, you. I, well, you know what? Teen Titans and Avengers are the two books that I've always read. And, you know, I mean, Avengers, I always joke. I remember Dr. Druid and then I remember Team Jackets. Okay. And <laughs> with the Avengers. All right. And with the Teen Titans. I remember. Do you remember when Adam got de-aged? Yes. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately, but that happened, and I bought it. You know what, man? But the te- but the, that's and the then Team Titans happened, which I don't even rem- I I barely understand. And I'm reading I'm reading Hickman's Avengers now. I just read three issues of that last night. Three issues of that last night. I got no fucking clue what's going on. See, I like Hickman's. I uh, see. The thing is, I like Hickman's Inve- Avengers. It can be heady. Okay, it can be mad heady. And it's, it's it's just too super concept for me, man. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I'm just sitting there like, are they gonna punch something now? You know, like I'm just. <laughs> but, no. And to I, get back, I didn't mean to go on a. They know that there are people that will continue to buy books they even bitch about because you know some people are completists and they have to have everything. Me too. And but but there but there are also people that, like I said, it, it just befuddles me that some people just love to bitch. So they feel if they yeah. keep buying these books that are bad, that gives them the right to bitch about them. And I'm like, why don't you just put your money somewhere else? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, you know, every month I do my order, DCBS has a bunch of trades that they, they resolicit from like Image and Dark Horse, the stuff that I wanted to try, but maybe wasn't in my budget at the time. Well, thank you, DC, because yeah. you just... uh you just opened up a hundred and a hundred and or ninety dollars, we'll say. Okay, you just opened up ninety dollars in my budget mm-hmm. well, I, for for me to spend on, on other companies. Right. Look, look. So, like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. But the thing to me is like, you know, you want to have a, a, a line wide event. That's cool. I'm down with that. I remember Crisis. Mm-hmm. Okay, where where half those books you bought didn't even have nothing to do with the Crisis. Just in one panel in the corner, there was a red sky. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, or or, you know? or at the end of the or at the end of the book, the monitor would be like watching over things, and, and Harbinger would come by. <laughs> yeah, like, like what's what's up with Blue Devil? Yeah, I don't know. He's blue and he's a devil. That's Crisis right. crossover. <laughs> I got this data file for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your tea, sir. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, and if if you want to give me more pages, and even raise the book a dollar for that one month. I don't like it, but I can deal with it, okay? But when you raise the price because it's a holographic cover, and when you put out four issues of one book in one month of of, of damn near every title and still charge me three ninety nine, then I'm not going to support that. Right. Because I feel like I'm taking advantage of. Mm-hmm. You could have done Villains Month with one issue, of each title one issue of each title you could have done villains month yeah and even if you charge 399 you it would still be a hell of a lot cheaper 
than it would be now. And where the fuck did this? We have to have 52 books come out every month. It goes with the whole new 52 concept. The use yeah, right. Well, why did it have to be 52? They love that number now. Because it's catchy. New, the, new, the new 52 was catchy, so now everything, there has to be the use of the, of the term 52 to sell it. Because they still have to prove to people that they're, that they're still down with the new 52. So we have to make, they have to make sure that they use that concept as, as many times as possible. I'm going to say something, and I don't think a lot of people are going to like this. But talk, I'm going to say it. Talk to the people. I'm going to say it. And I, I'm going to put a plea out there right now. Uh, Disney, would you please buy DC Comics <laughs> so we could get some shit in straight? Dude, even even stuff like that's getting out of control. Um, <laughs> like, go if you like. Look, Marvel now they're making some good books like that. They Rock, sure are. That, I'll, I'll be the first one to say uh, I was wrong. Well, and like the thing is, you like know. I don't think the whole line is great. But there no, are but some there are some good books like the Rockford Files Hawkeye book, fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, buying that in trade, and uh, you know Mark Wade, like I said this before in different episodes, Mark Wade gave, made me care about Daredevil, a character I never cared about, mm. not once. Yeah. It didn't matter who wrote them. Yeah, there there's some but, there are some really good books over there, but still there's fun books like Fearless Defenders, which I know will probably be canceled after issue twelve, but I'm having fun <laughs> with it now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Avengers Arena. So who you know? Who would have thought? Hunger Games for Avengers kids. I like it. <laughs> but if you notice, though, ever since like you know, Disney, you know, ever since Disney bought them, now right. there is more of a involvement of literally every six months there being events. Okay, so after Age of Ultron, there's going to be another event that comes out of that. So Age of Ultron will technically have an ending that's not really an ending and it's going to roll into another event okay yeah and you know what? and this I, is this I, is how I, it's going to be from here on out um, i didn't mean to cut you off i didn't mean no to no no you. i kind of cut you off so oh. um but i didn't buy into that age of ultron shit mm. i was just like once i saw it's four dollars a book and it was damn near coming out weekly and i was just like yeah and plus i knew it was an old avengers script this shit was supposed to come out like last year or the year before because they did the Day of Ultron free comic book day issue, Marvel. I think it was like two years ago. And um, so that whole thing was supposed to happen a while ago. But they were just like, oh, you want to do an event? Yeah, Ben has got this old Avengers script. Okay. And there it is. Here's your Age of Ultron. Well, and also, like, like I said before, you have to take into consideration that because... Disney has them. It's more about making these events that could possibly be, um, you know, loosely adapted into like movies or, or 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 other or other forms of entertainment. That's why that's why you have this big. Oh, you've had granted Marvel's been on this event kick for, you know, God knows how long, but now it's definitely ingrained in the system. But even though you have those like events that like also lead that also link it to other books, there are things that aren't that that aren't you know hey we're going to make a movie out of this type stuff. They do actually have some books that stand alone for now, 
um, that stand alone from now on their own, which are really good. Like I said, once again, the Hawkeye book is really good. You, you talk about Mark Wade's Daredevil. That's really yeah. good. Um, you know, you enjoy it. You, you know, you enjoy it. And that's good. They have a few books like that. Everything yep. else, though, is tied into that corporate infrastructure of, yo, we might be using this as a movie in 2016, so uh, let's just keep developing stuff like this. And and that's why, like I said before, you have an event that ends but technically doesn't end, and then it rolls into another event. Well, and- that's why like, uh, um, I got mad when, um, what was it, Secret Invasion, and it was like the last page of Secret Invasion was... Uh, Norman Osborn killing the Queen or whatever, the mm-hmm. Queen Scroll or whatever. Yes. And then it was uh Join us next month for the Marvel premiere of Dark Rain and I was like, suck a dick, I'm out. <laughs> Cause you get burned out. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And like uh, you know, then that whole what was it, siege happened. And uh I didn't buy any of those. And even though they said it was a more condensed event, I didn't buy any of those until the the borders went out of business by my house. Mm. And I got those hardcovers for like $3. And I was like, yeah, I'll read it now. You know? Matter of fact, I think I sent you all those things, right? Yeah, and and the pictures were lovely. Yeah. The, 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 the art- story was okay. I mean, it was nothing special. But I mean, I guess it's hard for a guy like Bendis to condense shit into four issues. So. Uh, no, I, I thought the I thought the artwork on a lot of those event books, like hardcovers that you gave me, were great. I, uh-huh. The story itself, the story themselves, just didn't interest me. And that's yeah. and that's no offense to the writer. It's no right. offense to Brian Michael Bendis. I'm not trying to shit on him. Okay, guys, just just so you know. Um, but I just I thought the art was great. I just didn't care for the story, you know. But I know there are many who did, but not me. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, for what it was. You know, I mean, to buy to buy the hardcover for three bucks, it was great. Exactly, yeah. So you know for, what I mean? for three dollars, it's, it's a value. You, you don't, yeah. No, trust me, that's a value. Like that's a bargain. So regardless of whether you liked it or not, you only pay three dollars for it, so you don't right. feel hurt by it. There's no, there's no butt hurt feelings over it. You know what I mean? Now, if you paid like full price, you may have been like, oh, you yeah, know, exactly. you, you may have been a little bit fired up. You know, you may have flipped some tables at your house. I don't know if I'm just getting older and I'm getting saltier in my old age. <laughs> but it's just like once all these all these freaking uh details for this villains month thing came out and the more it came out the more I was uh, the the more I was less interested in mm-hmm. is, it, is that is that a Proper term is that, is that less, right? You understand? Less, in, less in, yeah. I, I the more I was less interested. Yeah. And then when you turn out and find out that this shit is going to be more expensive for your monthly books because of three D covers, then I was just like, "What the? F-? You know what?" And I'm just, I, I don't know, man. It's like all my my DC love is leaving me. And it's sad because I've been a fan and a follower of this company since I was eight years old. Yeah. And I've been with them through through big ups and, and big downs. And and I cried about the new fifty two and then accepted it and then supported it. And and now it's just 
It it literally seems like month to month you could watch the solicits and you could literally see it get driven one more foot into the ground. <laughs> I mean, when they they were literally going to release a thing called "What the Fuck, Sean." Wait a minute, did, did that actually end up happening? The trifold covers happened, but they stopped calling it WTF because retailers lost their shit. And they were like, how am I going to give a little kid a book that is... Because everybody knows what WTF means, Sean. Right. It's, it's not why the face. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like they had to shut up and just be like, okay, well, we'll just do trifold covers because we already paid these fucking artists to do them. Thanks, Bob. But, uh, you know... So there you go, and now now they're doing uh, villains month. They did see that's another thing. Like when they had their little gimmick of doing the zero issue thing, mm-hmm. I was down with that. Didn't cost you much, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. just another issue of the title you were buying. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was a zero, and it's going to show you something. I don't even remember what the hell it showed you. That shows you how good it was, right? <laughs> I mean, I know I enjoyed some of them, but I'm just saying. But it's just, you know, like, why could if you want to do Villains Month, why couldn't you do it that way? Right. You're trying to saturate the market. So for one month, you might, you might, might is the key word here, beat Marvel. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if I'm just getting older and I'm just like, get off my lawn. I'm not putting no, up with this anymore. It's it's not that. It's just not that. It's just that you finally see the problem. It, it has nothing to do with you, you feeling that you're becoming a curmudgeon. Okay, it's not that. It's just that you recognize the problem as a whole, and you finally realize that you don't have to give them your money. Let's say you went to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. One, you know, and you went there and you said, yo, I want a f- the best filet mignon you got with a big ass baked potato and the trimmings and they serve it to you and you try it. And like, it's just not up to par, but you paid that expensive cost for that Ruth's Chris steak and baked potato and was like, man, this was garbage. I'm mad. And then you go back again. And you pay that high cost again. Now, granted, I've never had a bad steak at Ruth's Chris. I'm just saying this as an example. Um, But you go back again, and it's still bad. And you go back again, and you have given these people hundreds of dollars in three visits, and you continue to go. You don't do that when it comes to food. You know what I mean? Right. Why would you do that with anything else? Why would you do it with anything else? Yeah, exactly. So... That's 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 my whole point. You don't do that with food. You don't do that with other things. So why would you do that with comic books? You know what I mean? But yeah. it's just like it's just like Daryl says, and he says, you know, these companies are going to keep doing it unless you you know you got to start you got to start protesting with your wallet, right? Oh, you know that, what I mean? Oh yeah, and that's with and that's with every single form of business in this world. If it's you know if it's not worth your time, or if you think it's bad. You can't give it your money. Right. You know, and like the only time you can is like when you get cornered against the wall. Perfect example. 
We have two companies that do internet around here. Um, okay. Insight and Windstream. Okay. Now, Insight recently got bought by Time Warner. And our whole city, our whole town said no to Time Warner. They hate Time Warner. I, when I used to live in Ohio, I used to have Time Warner. So I know how bad they suck. Okay? Awful customer service. Um, high pricing. Price gouging. And the whole nine. Just bad all, all around. And so, but, it, but um, what ended up happening was is that the deal went through. And time, you know, Insight will now be called, will now be Time Warner as of next month. So the only other option you have is Windstream. Now, here's the thing. I had Windstream before, okay? And they suck just as bad? Um, the, thing, the thing was they had lower prices, but the uh-huh. actual internet service was so bad that, like, say, for instance, even if, like, anytime the, um, the heat would turn on, because we had it during the winter, anytime the heat would turn on, the modem would reset itself. <laughs> so I would, what did the dude come in? He hooked up your internet to your thermostat. I guess so. Just give me a minute there, pal. I yeah. just gotta hook this wire up to this wire and uh, you know set it to a cool sixty-five. <laughs> so, so, so I you know I had to get rid of it. And the, well, the funny thing is, is that now that uh, Insight's about to become Time Warner, Windstream has put out all these commercials that they have invested millions upon millions in new lines. And, um, you know, boosted bandwidth to get people to jump on Windstream because Time Warner is terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about it is, is this. I'm stuck because I don't know if I can trust Windstream right. to stop my service now with Time Warner, which even though the company as a whole is terrible, I know that my Internet's going to be reliable. Not always great, but reliable. But if I quit and go to Windstream... Then that means that there's a strong chance that it might not work. And, yeah, I might pay less, but if it sucks so bad I need to go back to Time Warner, then there's the cancellation fees and all this other crap, and then I'm right back to where I started. So right. it, like, the only, like, that's, the, that's, that's the only situation where you feel stuck. Any, you know, and there are probably some others, too. And you're going to start to see this more and more once people, once all these companies realize that the money is in Internet bandwidth. That's why all these communication companies... And networks started buying up all the all the internet providers. And plus, with Time Warner, you don't know a few months down the road, maybe two two years down the road, they're going to want you to do a 50, 52 internet provider crossover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, they already do bundles, man. It's like our our cable. We 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 use Directv because once again, we don't like Time Warner. And um, and it has channels that Time Warner slash Insight didn't have, and and the pricing's pretty decent. And the thing is, Time Warner is like, well, we'll give you a lower internet cost with more bandwidth if you buy our bundle with the cable and phone. I'm right. like, I don't want your cable. I hate that crap. So yeah, so yeah, so like that, those are the only spots where I can see people getting stuck. But besides that, dude, if it's not worth your time, why you know, it's, it's not just don't. Don't buy it anymore, and I'm glad. I'm glad you finally taken that step to say, you know what, I'm done. Mike Myers from DC Noise. They had me on like last month. Him and I just started talking about Boom's Planet of the Eight books. 
because I was buying them in trade and Mike was getting them monthly. Mm-hmm. And we just went bananas. And no pun uh, intended. Oh, oh, I did. That was it. That was horrible. <laughs> you know, and there was like a bunch of stuff that we were talking about. And Mike was like, oh, so I just I sent him I sent him shit. And I was like, here, read this. And then I found uh, like some uh, some um, flash because he does the retro cast, too. So I, I found some old flash issues from like the 70s and early 80s that I had doubles of. And I was like, well, let me send these to Mike. Maybe you can read them. And I know he's a big DC head because he does a show called DC Noise. And uh, I said, let me uh, let me send this shit to him and see if he'll, you know, he might want to do it for Retrocast or this, that, and the other thing. Like, in other words, I, I'm not a hoarder like I used to be. Well, you know? I'm proud of you, sir. I, I have certain books that I am trying to fulfill runs in and, and this, that, and the other thing. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, shit, the biggest step for me was getting rid of my X-Men collection. Did you get that good, was the biggest step. Did you get good coin for that? I did. Good. I did. Good. Good. You, you took your wife out to a nice steak dinner, and oh, it was no. good. <laughs> oh, for the sake of radio. Yes, I did. <laughs> we were having fun. Well, that's like when I was a kid, I, um, I, <laughs> I, I used to have a problem reading, you know, and they used to separate your ass into, into groups yes. to make kids feel even more special. Oh. <laughs> so my ass was in the bottom reading group, you know, cause I just didn't have any interest in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, and then my, my, uh, fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Panza, never forget it. She she called my mom, and she said, "Hey, you know, Donnie doesn't really, you know, he's not doing well in in reading and things like that." And but I, I you know, he might like comic books because my son was the same way, and we got him into comic books. And so my parents were talking about it, talking about it, and next to the OTB in in my town, there was a news rack called the Daily News News Rack. It wasn't original. <laughs> the Daily News News Rack? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't original. <laughs> but that's all it was. Remember those days, man, where it would just be a shop that sold magazines and newspapers and yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you about mine when, when you finish yours. And I was out with my father, and he goes, okay, here's $2. I'm going in here, and I'll give you $2 to buy comic books if you don't tell your mother where we went. <laughs> and I said okay so I went in there and I bought New Teen Titans number 34 with Deathstroke shooting up the, the picture of the New Teen Titans mm-hmm. and then I bought Avengers 242 where everybody was celebrating Hawkeye and Mockingbird's marriage and um and the vision on the cover, it's all them at a party, and the vision opens up the door, and he's like, and he says something. I don't remember what it is, and everybody's looking at him shocked. Yeah. And, and you know what happened at the end of that issue? Everybody's celebrating the marriage of, of Mockingbird and Hawkeye. What and you know what happened? What happened? Hawkeye, Hawkeye gets goes into that building in Central Park and gets 
goes sucked into the secret wars. <laughs> How the fuck was I not supposed to buy comics after that shit? Yes. I was like, half the team is gone. <laughs> so, go, uh, uh, so go ahead. Oh, no. Um, we had a place just like that in Middletown, downtown Middletown, which when you say downtown Middletown, it ain't really downtown. It's more like a, you know, a, like a quick jaunt. Um, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't really attract the tourists with a quick jaunt to Middletown. Right. You know, let me just trot through here real quick. Oh, we're done. It was a place called like the newspaper or the new, the daily news or something like that. Real simple, real simple name. See, just like mine. And you'd walk in. You'd walk into it, and the cool thing about it was they had like all these newspapers from like uh, like all the local newspapers, plus some of the uh, bigger newspapers, you know, from like New York and whatnot. Then they had like this big section, not a spinner rack, just like a big section, nothing but comic books, and then magazines, and then they had like a um, like a malt shop in the back. Oh, that's cool. And then like on the other side, they had like tobacco and stuff. Okay, so it was really really cool. And I remember the first time I got to go in there, I was like, oh, wow, because I didn't know they had comics. I just thought they just had newspapers. And I remember looking at all the books, but like the one moment, the funny thing is, is that the one time that it really stood out for me, and I had been there a number of times beforehand, but this one moment I remember, my mom told me to go get some change. And when you're like 11 or 12 years old, when your mom tells you to go get some change from the daily news store, mm-hmm. you don't really think. You just do. Right, right. And so I walk in and I look and I'm like, oh, I've never seen these comics before. And it was the issue of Green Lantern Corps where uh, it's got Guy Gardner. And like he's like, it looks like he's breaking out. And like it's like a yellow background with like speed lines. And he's breaking out and all, and all these uh, Green Lantern members are like flying because like... Uh, you know, because it looks like he just punched everybody at once. And um, it, I think it was like a Legends crossover, I think. Probably. And I also and I also got uh, DC Comics Who's Who. And it was the one, oh, yeah. it was the one with Superman on the front cover. Cause the whole, oh, that was a burn cover, Yes, wasn't it? it was a burn cover because on the back, Swamp Thing was on the back. Yeah. And I got one other book. So I brought back my mom's change. She was like, I didn't tell you to buy three comics. I told you to give me change. I was like, oh. I'm sorry. I did. Here's your change. Here's change. <laughs> and, and for some reason, I remember that more than anything else. I, that and the one time I went in there like a year or two later, I saw like a Nomad comic and Nomad looked like Renegade. Looked like Lorenzo <laughs> yep. Lamas. And I was yep. like, what yep. the fuck is this? He had a baby this? strapped to his back. Yeah. I'm like, no, I, he had a baby strapped to his front and a, and a shotgun strapped to his back. Yeah, man. I'm like, man, this book is going to put the Daily News under. And I see the the place I went to, it had just it just had like wall racks of all different kinds of magazines. And then it had three spinner racks in the center. And then behind the counters where they had like cigarettes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But they used to sell like soda and stuff. And that guy used to make all his money, dude, because he used to order all the different racing forms and high life forms and things like that. Yeah. So the guys from OTB would come go to his shop in the morning and buy all their forms so they knew what they were betting on and get all the, you know, the results and how well this horse did and that dog did and all this other shit. All the high school kids, because the high school was up the road, 
who used to go in there and pretend they were 18 and buy Playboys. <laughs> and then and and then all the smokers from OTB too, because that was back in the day where you could smoke anywhere. Right. You, know, you could smoke in your sleep. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> and uh, then I remember, man, I started playing um, Little League. And, and I've talked about Frank before on this show. And Frank was the only dude, other dude I knew at the time who was in the comics. And he was a dick. And he was a spoiled brat. And um, he introduced me to this place called Bayshore Enterprises. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Uh-huh. And it was this old dude who had this house down by the beach. And it was this ginormous... Like he hollowed out like his whole ba- his basement was just you could you could walk in it like uh, from the street level yeah right and it was a printing press and he opened his own comic book and baseball card shop there too that's crazy and you used to go in there man and you know he would just have a he would do he was the first one that introduced me to the filing system where you got a file <laughs> yeah and he saved you comics. Because he didn't have like, he had a couple of spinner racks, but they didn't have like shelves and shit like that back in the day. You know what I mean? You know, like like comic shops have now, where it's just like a wall of new shit. Yeah, they didn't do that back in the day. And uh, man, in the front, he used to have like all the spinner racks, and then he he have a filing cabinet behind the thing, and then you went into this back room, dude, and it was his room that was like. You just picture half the size of your house basement, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just long boxes upon long boxes of back issues. Holy shit. You was when in I seventh heaven. walked into that place, it was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's when you could get away with stuff like that. You can't have businesses like that now. You can't have businesses where you live, live on the main floor in the basement. Here's the comic shop. Just go yeah. past the bathroom, past the kitchen, go downstairs, and uh, get you some books and uh, print yourself up some posters. Well, he was he was a retired printer, I guess, or whatever. And because um, like when I say he was an old dude, he was an old dude. Like, and his partner was even older. His partner looked like he was around since the event of the printing press. Like he was the one that first came up with, "Well, we'll put the ink here," and you know. <laughs> <laughs> like he came up with the idea and shit. Like that's how old he looked. Damn. But like he was a retired printer, and he he got a he used to do side jobs. Uh, you know, still printing. So it was like a, he'd take orders that he could handle, and he wasn't killing himself, but he was still making a little extra scratch. And uh, he was always into comic books, man. Mm. So he he used to buy up collections over the years, and then. You know, when he retired, he said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up my own little business. Very nice. And he also used to organize all the, uh, like, the bingo hall conventions around here. Bingo hall conventions? Yeah, you know, like, they're, like, little little uh, basement conventions and shit. Oh, I mean, like, comic book and card conventions in yeah. bingo hall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, like a, not like a convention for bingo halls. That doesn't make any sense, Sean. <laughs> I was just asking. I didn't know. I was like... Who the I, fuck says, oh, you're going to go to that bingo hall convention? Yeah, I heard they're going to they're gonna have all the B3s this year. Hey, man, yo, yo. <laughs> yeah, that could have that been a big business back then. You know, folks needed them stampers, dog. And, like, never, in, in multicolors. I'll never forget. His name was Harold Finer. <laughs> and me and my buddy used to sing nothing could be finer than to go to Harold Finer's and get some comics <laughs> <laughs> so that just shows you it 
eight to ten years old, I was still a fool. Yes, yes, but you enjoyed life, and that's what mattered most. Oh man, I think that's a good spot to end, don't you? Think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Started salty, and we wound up loving life. Yes, I, I like that. Before we get to the second part of this week's Black Box episode, I want to talk to you about the comics revolution that Action Lab, the company that I'm a part of, is currently doing right now. This covers both the print and digital side of things as far as comics go. All single issues, uh, starting with releases that drop in August from here on out, are only $2.99. That's right, $2.99 for full issue comics. All single issues, August on, in shops, $2.99. You really can't beat that. Seriously, that's a really great deal. So I know a lot of people complain about comic book prices being too high at $3.99. And, you know, and, you know, some publishers do have a couple books out at $2.99. But this is a line-wide thing for us that we want to do. And we hope that the people appreciate it. Uh, we've gotten a lot of love for Skyward as of late. Um, you know, in our special edition, like um, oversized hardcover books like Molly Danger and Vamplets are getting a lot of buzz. So, you know, you want to what? We just wanted to give back to the people who invest in us and who love comics and want to introduce our comics to more readers. So if you invest in us, you are going to get something good in the long run. And also on the digital side, if you go to comicsology.com, you click on the Action Lab banner, all single issues of our digital comics are 99 cents. 99 cents, not 3.99, not 2.99, not 1.99, 99 cents. Uh, digital trades and uh, OGNs and digital omnibus collections, the prices may vary, but single issues are only 99 cents. There is no excuse for you to not check out an Action Lab or Action Lab Danger Zone book. If you go to comicsology.com and you click on Action Lab, you go to it'll take it straight to your Action Lab page. Um, If you click like the browse, then publisher, and then you'll see like all the publishers, click on the Action Lab page, and it's a two-fold page. You'll see Action Lab, and then you'll see a button for Action Lab Danger Zone that will flip you to the Danger Zone side of things. And you can get all of our single-issue books for 99 cents. You want to know more about Final Plague from Danger Zone? 99 cents. You want to know more about Skyward and read it? 99 cents. You want to check out the digital, special digital edition of Molly Danger? 99 cents. Anything. Single issues, 99 cents. You can't beat that. This is just our way of just trying to prove to people that, one, we mean business because we want people to read the quality material that we put in month in and month out. So here's your chance to check out a great lineup of comics. 99 cents for single issues digitally on Comixology. Print issues and comic book stores for only $2.99, starting with issues in August from here on out. You can't go wrong with that. That's all I'm going to say about that. But now, let's get back to the show. All 
All right, the Hip Hop Summit with Team Tundra has once again returned, um, as promised from our from our previous episode where we talked about, or I'm sorry, from the our previous get together where we talked about the Tribe Called Quest documentary and the Ratchet Aesthetic. Um, we may still have to have Ratchet Aesthetic T-shirts when this is all said and done. Um, from from all of that, there were still other things on uh, on our docket that we wanted to talk about. And since then, some other things have popped up, too. So we have reformed Team Tundra once again to give you some icy hip-hop and pop culture discussion. And uh, also some other things, too. But on the line right now, representing from the UK, he is also known as Dr. Cake Ramaray. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Taylor Pithers. How you doing, Taylor? What's happening, man? You good? Oh, I'm, I'm fantastic right now, man. I'm good. I had breakfast. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, also on the line is an acclaimed artist. He is also the creator of the Glyph-nominated Ants webcomic. Um, he maintains his iciness, and he is from the school of Ric Flair. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Julian Lytle. Woo! what's going on people what's going on (laughs) (laughs) oh step and last but not least um you've heard this gentleman on the show a number of times before he is still the animatic gangster rap connoisseur uh, ladies and gentlemen tribe one aka niles gray hello and uh thanks uh thanks for having us again Oh, hey, anytime, anytime. I'm looking forward to an amazingly ratchet conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Now, before we get into the meat of today's topic, uh, we do have some great news. As a matter of fact, it has to deal with Tribe One. Um, For those that didn't know, uh, Tribe One has uh, officially uh, begun his full-time career into the world of hip-hop. And I want to say congratulations to you. Oh, thank you very much you know, on your decision. And can you talk to us about the fact, the factors that led to this decision and um, what you got coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like maybe three less than that, about two months ago, I got an email from a guy named MC Chris, who um, if you have never heard of him, he's like the guy in the nerdcore scene. And he's known for, you know, voicing Adult Swim. He was MCP Pants on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. He was, I think, Rory on uh, C-Lab 2021. Anyways, he was there from the beginning, and he's sort of built this amazingly huge fan base. And so every year he goes on tour. And this year he emailed me out of nowhere to ask me to do it. And it's, it's 51 shows in 59 days. And when I took that to my job and said, hey, can I do this? Can I have the time off? They're like, of course you can't have this time off. So I was like, all right, then I'll uh, I'll see you when I get back. Maybe. Probably not, though. Hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I am now a full time rap guy as of uh, July 3rd will be my last day at work. Now will have passed by the time this goes up. Congratulations, bro. Thank you, sir. But yeah, it's uh, it's super exciting. I just uh, put out a record with my group, The Remnant, that came out June 25th. It's on our Bandcamp page, theremnant.bandcamp.com. We are super proud of it. And I've also been uh, working on an album with a indie rock producer from Ireland, from uh, from Belfast, named Rocky O'Reilly. And we just finished that. And so it's officially releasing in the fall, but I'm going to have CDs with me on tour. Nice. Yeah, it's called Malibu Shark Attack. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited about it. 
you just don't dip a toe into one thing. You know, you might, you know, like say, you have a, an album, you know, with The Remnant. You got other projects jumping off. You'll have, like, solo EPs here and there. You'll, mm-hmm. Or you'll collabo with other people. So it's like... Tribe One touches a lot of a lot of different areas, and, uh, and and there are always all these different sounds. It's not just one thing. Yeah, it's been. I mean, it's been amazing because I like all kinds of music, and so having the opportunity to do so many different kinds has been fantastic. And it also doesn't hurt that I'm like really good at rapping. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm also very humble about it. Do you know what though? You you've got the the full time rap staffing down pat because the best thing to be is confident in your own ability. Yeah, I'm the best in the game. And what? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not a lie. I'm really good. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, yeah. So what's the tour like? Where are you starting the tour? Where's it ending? Is it across the whole of the states? Yeah, it's uh, so we're starting in Philadelphia on June 10th. We're going up as far as Vermont, and then we're cutting all the way across over to Seattle, all the way down to San Diego, and all the way down. And we're spending like a week and a half in Florida in August, and I'm not looking forward to it. Except the shows are going to be amazing. It's just the The, heat. The heat will be yeah. Will be watch out for the zombies, son. Yeah, for the zombies. (laughs) Yeah, no. Best believe windows up, doors locked. Yeah, man. Just protect yourself with one of LeBron James uh, headbands. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna throw up the dust cloud to confuse him. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's that's incredible. You said now that you said the tour kicks off June 10th or July 10th. I'm sorry, July 10th. Okay, July 10th in Philadelphia. Nice, nice, man. That that is that that's some hella torn. You said yeah. how, how many sites in 59 days? 51. 51 shows in 59 days. Holy cow. That is yeah. that is touring. That is moving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This this ain't yeah. no this ain't no Madonna 10 10 10 week six spot tour. No. No, no, no. No, no. No, this is the real thing. This is indie music right here. Oh yeah. Get in where you fit in. And, yeah. And then make it hot. No, that's incredible. Seriously. That is incredible. I man for we all wish you nothing but the best, man. Oh, and thank you. Thank and no you doubt. So much. No doubt. And if you got like, and like I said, if you have any projects that you ever want to talk about, if there's anything jumping off, just hey, l- let us know. Let us know word. so we can spread the word. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. That means a lot, guys. Let us um, let us begin the meat of uh, today's uh, conversation. Um, this is something that's been kind of like weighing on my mind for a while, and I want to thank Julian for uh, for starting, you know, for basically starting the fires for this, um, because Julian. Julian is always on top of things like he is in the know and one of the things he'll do he'll send myself he'll send tribe and Taylor and some of our other friends he'll send us like you know like articles and and websites and stuff like this and he's been sending us like a lot of um, stuff from complex and complex is known for like giving out like top 25 lists especially like a lot of hip-hop stuff like top 25 best ofs and this and that well there's one top 25 list. There's a couple, but there's one that kind of like irked me a bit. Now, our listening ears when it comes to hip hop vary because our ages vary and what we listen to vary and how we came into listening to hip hop. That all varies. But Complex came out with a list of the best 25 rap verses of the last five years. Now, I'm, you know what, man? I, I try to be a very calm and tranquil person. I got halfway through this list and I turned my table over. 
<laughs> I had a very, very similar reaction. Okay, I'm just want, I just want to make sure. I it, the credibility in this list is poor. It's to me, it's piss poor. And like some of the stuff I agree with, but so much of it I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is when you look at this list, if you go to it's, it was an article that was posted uh, May 29th, 2013 on the complex site in, in the music section. The best, the 25 best rap verses of the last five years. When your top 25 list starts with the Meek Mill verse, I can't qualify it. Nope. <laughs> you know what? Nope. On the real, I've got some notes for this and I've just got <laughs> Meek Mill and then a question. Mark next to it, and that's the only note I've got for Meek Mill right now. So sorry, good. No, no, sorry, no, no. Sure. no, it's all right. And 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 let me clear. Let me clarify something else too. And this is something I think like a lot of people really don't understand. If I don't like, like, say for instance, if I don't like somebody's music or if I don't think that they're lyrically strong, it doesn't mean that I don't like this dude as a person. I'll, I've never met this person. I don't know this person. I am talking about their musical and lyrical content. All right. That's all I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, when you, like I said before, when your list starts with Meek Mill, I automatically have to question your rational thought into your critical aspect <laughs> and knowledge of hip hop from the last five years. Yeah. How do you have a top 25 best rap verses of the last five years and you do not include Andre 3000's rap, rap and party from Beyonce? How do you not include that? Any yeah. any three stacks verse from the last seven yeah, years exactly kills almost everything on this list. First, like I could like you know it's, I'm just a listener. I, I give you Killer Mike's Reagan, which should be higher up exactly because mm-hmm. Reagan was some like I say God like come on son like Reagan that should break anything down. That's not even the best <laughs> J Cole verse they picked like. I like Royce the 5'9". He has better stuff with on the freaking Bad Meets Evil stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, who, like, I love Juicy J. I love Juicy, let Juicy J. But you ain't, you ain't picking the best Juicy J verse. Come on. It ain't got the ratchet pussy line. Come on, man. <laughs> Gucci Man. I love Gucci Man. Gucci Man don't deserve to be on this list. What is Gucci Man doing on this list? Like, for real. What is he doing here? That... I've... You picked the Kesha three stacks verse. Yeah. The Kesha three stacks verse. Mm-hmm. I ain't even heard yet, dog. Because it has Kesha on it, and I know it's a good three stacks verse. But come, come on, five years. How many dope ass verses he dropped? That John Legend's verse mm. that he did for that one song. The green lights. That's a table flipper right there. Come on, man. Come yeah. on. The, even uh... the class anthem was less than five years ago. Yeah. Come Come on, the Devin the Dude song? What a job yeah, this is. The, the UGK one with um, Outcast, uh, International Players, is the IPA? You know, yeah. I choose you. Yeah. How you not pick that over? Though? Like, but yeah, the, the, at least they put Andre on there, so. No. They put Diddy on it. Diddy's not a rapper. He didn't Every- even write that verse. Some poor sod in a studio somewhere <laughs> in a basement wrote that verse, and he's getting no cake out of that. It's like Theromanch. Let's keep it real. <laughs> been getting for the last seven, eight years. Uh, and I'm not mad at him, because you know what? That verse on that song is better than Ross's and Waka Flocka Flames. Mm. And mm-hmm. Man's. 
Like, he got the best verse. Clearly, he ain't write it because then he don't. Puffy don't write verses. <laughs> Puffy don't write. We don't, you don't put him on this list. He's Puffy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard Julian so fired up in my entire life. Ever. I, I do want to go back to what Tribe said, though, with the um, What a Life This Is. The lines in that song alone are top 25 worthy. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, man. I. You know, like and it's like and, and like it's no and like it's no offense to like cats like Danny Browns, no offense to cats like you know Earl Sweatshirt, no, uh, people who actually deserve to be on this list. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just no offense to them cats. Like I, I don't know if Lupe Fiasco's SLR needs to be on this. You, you know what I mean? It's it's not his best of the no. last five years. No, no, it's not. It's you know, and it just it makes me it makes me it just makes me question things. I mean. And we won't even get into the what's, what was listed as the number one. See, the number one verse that they picked is actually probably, let's keep it 100. It's, it's Nicki Minaj's monster verse, which is a damn good verse. Yeah, I, I'll give you that, yes. It is it's probably one of her best. But in yeah, the last five mm-hmm. years of everybody, they even got no Yasin Bey on this. Nope. Now, Nicki Minaj at number one is far from the least controversial thing about without doubt. Yeah, it's. I think it could be very reasonably argued that it deserves to be there. Oh yeah, it. I mean, she should it, look. There's no question she should be top five. Yeah, you know, I'll give you top five. I'll give you top ten. She should be in the top twenty-five on that list for like the last five years. You know how how I listen to hip hop might be different than like how you know how y'all listen to hip hop, but it's like listen. What about um, Bun B's? Was Bun B's bit verse on Big Beast on there? Or was like you know, yeah. or like say for instance, um, Jay Z's verse on solo, so appalled, so appalled. Jay Z was raw on that. Okay, maybe even like some other Kendrick Lamar joints. I mean, but or better yet, was Big Crit's verse on One Train on there? See, that's no. just, mm. you, you mm. know, or like maybe or maybe even like Nas's verse on Daughters. I just these are the things that I, that I've been thinking about. It's just they, yo, they didn't even pick. Danny Brown's best joint. Exactly, exactly. <sighs> Do you know what though? On a real, <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, I think the the way Complex Magazine have fallen down because they can't even list their own list properly. What they've the list is called the twenty five best verses of the last five years. So you're talking like this is when it stops getting subjective. You're actually talking about someone's sixteen bars. Are the are they the best or in the twenty five best of the last X amount of years? I'm sorry, you're not putting any Meek Mill sixteen in the top twenty five. <laughs> he might have had one of the best twenty five tunes of the last five years, one of the best twenty five bangers of the last five years, but he ain't putting no sixteens out there. Like you look at the top three, and I look, I'll, I'll I'll put my hands up. Nicki Minaj's Monster Verse was monster, but again, be honest. Of course, it's going to be good when the rest of her verses look like the steepest ski slope I've ever seen in my life. It goes downhill from there. Yeah. But you look at like, this is like this was the one that irks me more than any other. And there's a, quite a few MCs on that list that I absolutely adore. But one that irks me more than any other is how you put in Jay Electronica at number four behind Nicki Minaj. Number five, Jay he's Elec- number five. He's number, number five. five. Exactly. Yeah. Jay Electronica dreams better bars than Nicki Minaj <laughs> has ever spat in her life. Like, and it, it's, it's not subjective. I know music's subjective, yeah? This is a fact. 
my guy is a better poet than Nicki Minaj will ever be in her life, yeah? You can't do that. He, she might make bigger tunes than Jay Electronica, but she's not spitting bigger verses than him. And like, as you rightly pointed out, Julian, that, that Danny Brown verse is one of the weakest verses I've heard of him. It's almost like the complex writers have sat down and gone, right, what are, what are the most hypest tunes that we like and mm. what's the hypest verse on those tunes? Yeah, That doesn't like, make it the best verse. It's like they just listened to Long Live ASAP and was like, yo, that Danny Brown verse was hot, but what about Triple X? Exactly. So that video when he's like the little kid, son, that whole oh, song keeps that verse. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. I don't know. I like... I have I have a massive problem with Complex Magazine, like, and I, I have my biggest problem with Complex Magazine is summed up by one of their articles. I'm going slightly off topic, but it was a another list top twenty five, top twenty five rap songs ruined by white people. Now that ain't even <laughs> like, right. What? Take a look for it, yeah. Right, I ain't gonna. Front. I'm I'm a white boy from London. Do you know what I mean? It, but it weren't even a race thing. It's it's like, know your fucking history, man. What, do you think that the first ever white rapper was Eminem? There was no such thing as white rappers before that, yeah? And after that, it, that's when white rappers come about. That's how it's like in Complex's minds. Like, we're talking like, how, how are you saying that white people have ruined hip-hop when you've got cats like MC Search and Rick Rubin and these guys who were doing things in the 80s before most of the Complex writers were even born? Like, don't do that to me, yeah? I, I, was, so, I was so angry about it. I had to, like, slam my laptop and everything. And since then, me and Complex are done. Like, honestly, <laughs> we're over because, like, I, I ain't going to front. I follow their, uh, their sneaker page because, like you know you've got to stay icy in them new air max 90s every day but <laughs> boy, I'm, like, I'm not i'm not down with them like that like, i've just got a list of like some of the people that i was a bit suspect of and it's like meek mill gucci man diddy gunplay like you're telling me gunplay has got like the 10th or 11th best verse of the last five years i mean obviously like, not that high on the list i actually like gunplay a whole lot in his I, whole like in his genre of rap he is one of the best Oh, look, I, I've got nothing against Gunplay, yeah? But it goes back to what I was saying before. This guy is making hot tunes. He's not someone who you're going to go and listen to my guy spit 16 with no beat underneath him and be scratching your beard like, oh, their metaphors are deep, you know? Like, he don't even know what a metaphor is. His bars are, <laughs> I'll, I'll blow you away with my strap. There's no metaphor there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel... There was no push a ton verse on this whole list. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? They, they, although props, props for SJU. Again, like going back on what I said, because like to be honest, the lyrics ain't that ain't that icy, but they did put two chains in his mercy bars in there. And when he comes in, two chains, that's it. It's all <laughs> over. But then again, he can't spit. He can do the ad libs, and that's hot, but he's not an ah. Uh, I'm I'm wrapping myself up into a ball of anger right now. Or, or, or better, or better yet, y'all mentioned Pusha T, and don't get me like, don't get me wrong. It's like I know they got Kanye in the top twenty-five best rap verses of all time, but the like the verse that they gave him for this top twenty-five list, his lines in New God Flow were better than the ones that they listed for. Was it um was it Paris? I can't I can't, I can't remember which one, but yeah, yeah, it was New God Flow alone. Pusha T should be on that. And Kanye's lines from from uh, from from New Godflow should be on that. And let's so not, and that's no not, then, yeah, and there's no Ghostface on there too. Ghost should be on that too. So if yeah. you know, how do you have a top twenty-five list of anything? I don't care how many X amount of years, 
and not have Ghostface on there. You know, exactly. it's well, it, it kills me. Part of the problem is this. This is the same, you know, music culture blog that makes a list called the best 25 rap verses in the past five years is also the same blog that puts out a list called the top 25 rappers Instagram pictures of the week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like those two things do not belong in the same place. Like you can't judge Instagram and then like think you have a say in what like verses are good. Right. That, that it just it that, doesn't add up. That that is true. And this this is also the same website that has a thing that says ten rappers who rapped about croissants before Kanye. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you, you know are, you, you you are right. Like this morning, I think they're I overreaching the themselves. <laughs> What'd you say? What'd you hey, say, June? I, my bad. I was just saying uh, this morning I saw a whole new list. Twenty five rap albums that from the past decade that deserve classic status. Whoa, whoa, did you whoa, see wait, that wait, 50 Cent's album is like on that cover photo of that article? Yeah. What was number that one, is problematic Julia? to me. Yo I, yo, I went through a weird period of not messing with 50 Cent's, but now it's like, yo, 10 years later, I really fucks with Get Rich or Die Trying. But to say it's a classic, like a straight up and down classic, I don't know. Like, it's kind of hard. Like, the number one is Good Kid, Mad City, and... I don't think it's a classic yet. I think it's, it's only come out like six months ago. How yeah, it's 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 like that one right before. Like it's like I'll use I'll use Jay Z as a bar. Reasonable doubt in the blueprint crowd are classics. Mm-hmm. The black the black album and American Gangster are one notch below that. Mm-hmm. That's what Good Kid, Mad City because we ain't even seen the best of Kendrick Lamar. Right. Oh, as long as he don't get close. killed, we don't even know what he's going to do. To call this a classic, they put "Take Care" as a classic. I listen to "Take Care." It ain't no goddamn classic. Before we start hating too, too much on Complex Magazine, I just want to quickly, quickly give them their props. Like, they did put a currency verse on there, and like, regardless yeah, on what your position on st- stoner rap is, currency is the best at it at the m- moment. I'll give him his props. They put a Danny Brown verse on there. Admittedly, it's one of the weakest ones he's done, but like, if anyone ever follows me on Twitter, they'll know my love for Danny Brown runs deep. That guy is... He's the he's a future. Well, he's already here. He ain't even the future. And the other one they put on, which I got to give him their props for, was that J Rock verse on Money Trees is is fire. When he talks about the government cheese and that, that's that's just a different <laughs> level. No, but it's dark. You know what I mean? Like he comes through differently. Like and especially because like Kendrick's constantly telling story, story, story. Like flow, flow, flow. And then you hear J Rock on that tune, and he blows that tune away. So I'll give him their props for that. But then by the same token, like. I'm a big, big fan of Absol. I think he's the guy from um, Black Hippie Crew that gets the least props. Like, if you want to talk about someone who's got deep verses, why ain't they putting his name out there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but then again, it's all subjective, you know? Like, you, I guarantee you go to some 19-year-old, 
like who's into who's copped the newest Drake album or whatever the newest hot thing is at the moment. Like, you know, you're getting old when you don't know what the new hot thing is at the moment, isn't it? I'm a bit worried about that. Um, yeah, they're copying the new hot thing at the moment, and their opinion will be completely different to ours. Like, but I don't know. Like, the proof's in the pudding when they're talking about verses. I'm expecting to to hear them talk about deep lyrics and. You can't be talking about deep lyrics when your list has got people like Gucci Man, Meek Mill, and Gunplay on it. You just can't. It's not going to happen. Yo, yeah. I'm going to put it out there. The Exhibitsy, first of all, the whole song is worthy. That verse, the end verse, is the top verse of the last five years. Yeah, it probably is. It probably is. When he did the, the ele- electronica, fuck that, electronica, electronica, mm-hmm. like and then he goes into the full shit. I'll, like, I replayed that shit like eight times I was on the train. Like, I was like, I'd never heard someone flip that shit before in my life. Ever. And it keeps going with the people behind me, like the Verizon man, like, nah. Yeah. Nah. Like, that shit has its own t shirt. Like, that one verse has its own t shirt. Like, nah. <laughs> and you know what? On a real, um, the other thing, the uh, magic thing about. J Electronica, apart from the fact that he's one of the, the greatest MCs never to release an album in the last decade or so, <laughs> my guy is a certified pimp, yeah? Do you know about what J Electronica's doing nowadays? Oh, oh he's, he's, he's got the Illuminati chick, right? He's moved to London, he's moved to London and got the daughter of one of the richest men in the country, snatched her, snatched her up from her husband-to-be and was like, yep, that's how we're living now. So he's going to <laughs> higher socialite parties in Monte Carlo. That's why he's not releasing an album, because he's eating caviar off like this fine dime piece's spine. Oh, my God. He's living <laughs> large. Like, him and Hove and B all at the same party. <laughs> right now. Like, you don't got to push the album out. Oh, yeah, because we was in Belize last night. <laughs> get to the somebody from Saudi Arabia, one of the princes or whatever, the royal family. Yeah, we was we was all chilling last night. Oh, here come Ye. He's angry. Give him some caviar and some champagne. You know, that's how it is with Jay Electronica right now. So I'll give him his props for that. You know, you can't front on the guy. He's doing it hard. And another, just harking back to a previous Team Tundra conversation, another casualty on the Erica Badu groupie list as well. Like, she ticked him off a long time ago. Mm. Right. I've got love yeah. for her, but she loves rappers more than I do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the booty don't lie. That's what she's saying. That's what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> After um, the top 25 rap albums from the past decade that deserve classic status uh, was brought up, I went to the complex site to look at it. And it hurts my heart looking at some of these albums that they list. Um, and one of those albums is Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon 2, The Legend Fuck of... the. Shit. <laughs> the the legend of Mr. Rager. I I this is an album. Here's my thing with Cuddy. I love Kid Cuddy. Okay, love me some Kid Cuddy. Kid Cuddy is yet to, to to cut a complete album. For me, for me, Kid Cuddy is yet to complete. I mean, to release a complete album. And I am a big Kid Cuddy fan through and through. You know. Now, that, when you say that, how do you? In what sense do you mean? Because I've never heard a Kid Cuddy record. In, in layman's terms, if you have like a ten track record. Seven of them tracks got just to be just be the best thing ever for that artist. And then the other three can be throwaway. You know what I mean? Or better yet, like say for instance, like to me, a complete album is the blueprint. Jay-Z's The Blueprint is a complete album from beginning to end. Okay? In a way, and in a sense, it almost kinda kinda tells a story. Which I mean, a granted American gangster, that is a storytelling album. That tells a story from beginning to end, the rise and fall. But whereas with the blueprint, 
it is a just a complete record through and through. There's no throwaway track on the blueprint. All right. That Very is true. a that is a complete album. Kind of like how for say for instance another one like say for instance Outcast. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, the Love Below and what was Big Boy's album? Speaker Box. Speaker, Speaker Box. Box. Yes. Love Below. Yeah, Speaker Box. Love Below. That's a complete album, which Speaker is a, Box. which is essentially two complete albums in itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like Andre 3000 is doing his thing over here, Big Boy's doing his thing over air, over there, and both of those albums are complete. There really are no throwaways. And to me, that's what a complete like a complete album to me truly means. There really are no throwaway songs. I could put this album on and not have to skip a track. And when I see like really talented people make albums and I'm skipping tracks, to me it hurts my heart. It's like J Cole. I I, I want to like J Cole, even though he did that video where Drake bought all of his CDs. I really want to <laughs> like J Cole. That's a thumb. What was that I'm about, guys? Saying, man? Oh dear. <laughs> what is that all about? That is, that is, I understand it, and I understand he's your man. Yo, you don't put that on, bro. Like, I guess this is it. I'm old. Yo, that makes you look like you are playing yourself. <laughs> that is not new rules, dog. That is old school. He, he sends you for the world to see on World Star, on World Star of all places. <laughs> it's real talk. There's levels of waste, man. To this yeah there's levels so you got the first level of waste man is if you're so popular why are you going to have to buy eight thousand dollars worth of your own records to like to hype yourself up right that's the first level of waste man then you go down to the sub level of waste man is if you're so popular why have you got to go and spend eight thousand dollars on your records and not even pay for them and get your man to pay for your records for you that is like <laughs> you, you know like that's the sort of thing you do for your child like, like, your son comes up to you and goes, Dad, can I have a hamburger? Or can I have this toy? And you go, there you go, take $10, ten, take 10 quid. That's what Drake did. That's what he did. Like, I don't understand what the hype was about. Like, why? It's like, it's not something to be proud of. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's just not something to be proud of. Yeah, like, it, uh, it just came off. It was like, you know, is the dude, like, that financially strapped that he can't pull off a plan he can't pull off a plan like that. Well, you know, what's the point? Or is the out? Or is it one of those things like where the album's so bad he doesn't want people in his in his area to hear it? So he's trying. To, <laughs> so he's trying Not, to pull it off the shelf. I've heard it's good, yeah. but the thing of it is, is that like, dude, you're going against Jesus. Yeah. Why did you try to go against Jesus? Even if Jesus exactly. don't do number one, it's Jesus. Yeah. Like. Come on! It took over the entire conversation. It was like this: it's Daft Punk, Jesus, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. You're nowhere in that conversation. You're not yeah. going to be. You're J. Cole, right? And not you're Cephas, dog. And not only that, not, <laughs> not only that though. How are you gonna try to pull a Ted DiBiase move when you're not the one really doing the move? Drake is doing it for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, Ted DiBiase, you know, I'm going to go on some old WWF childish shit. Like, when Ted DiBiase wanted something and they would film a segment, he pull out his money, he'd get all the kids out the pool. And he had the pool by himself, <laughs> and all the kids was looking outside of the, outside, outside of the fence looking salty because Ted DiBiase got the pool and can't nobody get in, get in on a hot day. Okay? That's some Ted DiBiase shit. And in a way, I think that's what J. Cole wanted to do. But it didn't come off that way. And not only that, and this is going to sound real, real crass, 
why would a store overstock on J. Cole? Yeah, it's real. It's real too. We're in 2013. Do you know what I mean? He, he like, probably does. He does well in New York. I think. Like, okay. He does really well in New York. Like okay. that was a New York Union. That was like the Union Square freaking Best Buy or whatever. Like I whatever. Like you got eight thousand copies back there. Like you really got that many copies back there. Right. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. You you in that part of town? I guess everybody will come there to actually buy an actual CD. And like I don't know the rest of us who just. Use Amazon or use Google or use iTunes or I don't know. Use Spotify and just stream that joint. But okay, for those who actually want CDs, there you go. <laughs> it, it just didn't make any sense to me. I see this big section with all these J. Cole CDs. And I was just like, now seeing that granted, this is where it becomes regional. Because I know in the city of Lexington, J. Cole does not have a whole section. He has two discs. And it's in the J section. Just little two CDs. That's it. That's all you're going to get. And, and and that's it. But it's and I, you're right. It's a regional thing. But even then, still, how are you gonna take up that much shelf space? You don't move units like that. <laughs> Do you know what? As well, on the real, I was I was thinking about it. the funniest thing about that whole video. The biggest part of J Cole, the the worst thing that happens to him. He, he's in New York, right? So he's he's a New York artist. He's going up the escalator to the local Dixons or whatever you yes. guys call it. And my guy's <laughs> coming down the escalator, and he daps Drake. And like, kind of looks at J. Cole like, who the fuck is his chief with, uh, with Drake right now? And this is your hometown. My, oh, my guys come from another country and they know him, yeah? And they don't know you. Like, why? I, I, I just want to be in the room where they film that video and they're like, right, we're going to put this on the internet, yeah? You sure about that, Jay? And Jay's like, yeah, 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 let's put it on. Like, let's I do be it, yo. Let's do it. Nah, let's not do that, bruv. Oh. <laughs> he's not even that, like, he's, he's hot, yeah? He's hot by 2013 lyricist standards, like in the mainstream charts. But he ain't even that hot on the big scheme of things. You know what I mean? He's hot, but he's not that hot. And it's evident when you're in your own town and people are climbing over escalators to dap some dude from Canada. Like, boy, I do feel sorry for J. Cole because that, for me, that was a nail in the coffin for his credibility. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> I felt bad for him. <laughs> I did. I felt, but it felt, and you know, like right at the end of the video and he's sitting on the counter like a boy and Drake's like <laughs> holding the receipt. Like, look at all these CDs I bought. <laughs> so much and you're just like, oh shit. And like, J. Cole's just sitting there like, yeah, I ain't got that much money. But I can't do yo, that. Yo, take it like this. Would ASAP Rocky let that shit happen? Never. Never, no. ever, ever. <laughs> no, he would not look like that. No, that is not a good look. <laughs> yeah, it's one. like you know, like going back to the pro wrestling thing, the Ted DiBiase thing from just a minute ago. Yeah, you don't break like hit. Well, we're all very aware that a lot of these rap artists, they're they're characters. That's part of their their thing is their characters. He broke character majorly. Like you don't see like Hulk Hogan halfway through one of his fights like. Yeah, I'm just going to break character right now and pretend to be whatever his name is in real life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He like you listen to his album and he's talking about how much dough he's got and how he's flossing and how he's got this chick and that chick. I don't hear nothing on any of his records where he's talking about getting dragged to the CD shop to, so Drake can buy his records for him. <laughs> There'd be some real lyrics. If he said that in one of his tunes, I'd have more respect for him. But oh, I don't know. Is he any good? I've only heard two tracks of it. Nah, like, it's from what I heard. Again, I haven't heard a lot of it either because, you know what? 
Jesus came out, and I'd rather listen <laughs> to that, even though it's not a perfect, it's far from perfect, it's imperfect. Oh. Again, I'd rather listen to that. I'd rather listen to them four songs Drake put up on his website. I'd rather listen to a whole bunch of other things. I don't know. It just kind of like, okay, Born Center, I'll get around to it, just like I finally got around to his first album. Again, he's good. Like he, he's, he's a good lyricist. Yeah. He yeah, has quality. Yeah, he's good, what what kills me is is that like I guess and I know like is it, I think it was the song that w- is called Workout. Workout turned turned me off completely for at least six months of messing with him. He needs to like he just needs to do mad guest verses. He needs to kill a bunch of people on their own songs to build back up his his credibility. It's just like doing mad tag team matches. You know what? Real talk. What he needs to do is get. That long rumored him and Kendrick Lamar collabo album in the works. That's what he needs to do to restore his credibility. Mm. That's uh, true. If that happens. Because nobody was buying Kendrick's, Kendrick's album for him and wherever the heck they buy albums <laughs> exactly. at California. Exactly. You ain't see Dre like, look, I just bought five cases of your album, dog. Like, no. <laughs> Dre was like, go eat, son. Kendrick was like, I'm, I'm the man right now. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 video just made no sense at all. I just shook my head at work the whole <laughs> the whole time. I was like during lunch break, I was like, "What is the point of this? What yeah. is the whole damn point?" I was like, "This is just stupid." Yeah, just like, I don't know what he gets from it. What 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 do you get from it? Like, uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna get Drake to buy eight thousand dollars worth of my records, <laughs> and people on the internet are gonna go ape shit. They're gonna fucking love me, man. <laughs> no. No, they're not. They're not going to love you for that. You know what? I will say what like one thing. I do feel for him, and you are entirely right, Judy, and I do feel sorry for him, because if he released this album in March, hey, things might have been different, but in the past month alone, I've had three albums that will be in my top ten of the year come out. It's just like... The summer is too it's it's too much of a crowded summer. Two thousand and thirteen's been too hot for music recently. You got that Daft Punk, you got Yeezus. Run the Jewels come out for yes. free last week. Oh my Jesus. god, it's just so tough. Bananas. Bananas. So like how is J. Cole gonna like compete with this? Like I don't know. I felt sorry for him. The record then the record company know these sort of things. Surely they must have had a look and gone, Do you know what? Yeezus is coming out there. Why don't we just bring it out in mid July or something like that? Like, he, signed to, he signed to Rock Nation. He That's signed I mean. to Rock Nation. Like, I know this discussion had to be on some stuff like, do you, are you really sure you want to do this? Like, are you really, 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 really sure? Because <laughs> in the end, he wanted to do it. He wanted to take the gamble. You know what? He actually did sell okay from what I saw. But, again, the problem will probably hurt Yeezy's sales is that it leaked and it took over the entire internet that Jesus leaked. So the fact that you can read the New York Times and they're giving up their review of Jesus off of a fucking leak. Yeah. yeah. Means you the know conversation what? is against you. Real talk, it's still sold almost 400,000 in a week. Even with the fact that Kanye more than likely leaked it himself. Yeah. And who knows how many spins he got off Spotify or whatever, mm-hmm. those type of services. Because I remember, like, Daft Punk already broke the record for Spotify on single plays and album plays. So how What's much did that, that get? Get lucky, yeah? Yes. And it was yeah, like, but you know what? Same number. That, that is the perfect pop song. Like, yes. that's the only, Get Lucky is the only song I know that 
I'll be look. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was in the car yesterday with my mum. I went to go and visit my mum, because like, I'm, I'm going on holiday. Got to go and check your mum in it. Uh, my mum, my nan, me, and my 14 year old sister are all in the car together. Yeah, get lucky comes on. My 80 year old grandmother is skanking out to get lucky. My mum <laughs> has got like moving them shoulders. Me and my sister in the back, like yeah, like that song traverse verses over generation creed race it's the perfect pop song it might not be the best but it's the most perfect sorry julian it's, keep it's on Ma- it's michael jackson's level but i feel you mm-hmm. like yeah it, like it is yeah it, it's like off the wall kind of stuff yes yeah, man it's but yeah you like know I, it could play on any radio station any radio station will play that tune well, i don't know about the states they no they put it on well, they, well i guess here because radio is important you'll just be watching the commercial Guess what you hear behind the commercial? Get lucky. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Apple's doing a keynote for their new computers this year. Guess what's playing throughout the entire goddamn keynote? Get lucky. Get lucky. Oh, right. I'm, I'm watching the freaking NBA Finals. Guess what song pops up? Get, Get lucky. lucky. Like it took over. Like it's, but it's a good. It's such a good song. That's and beautiful. It's, it's genius. And like, yeah, Jake. It's like it's like the movie business, right? You, J. Cole. You wanted them smaller movies. You wanted the fifty million dollar movies. You should have came out in March, or you should have hit for August. Because now yeah. you know you can't come out in September. Because your home, because your new your new father just is coming out in September. So you can't come out in September. Because because Drizzy's coming out in September. You should have looked at the you should look at the calendar. Like <laughs> when do I need his father? He's foster father. He's like adopted him. He's coming out in September because he looked at the schedule. Was like, I can't come out in July. Yeah. Hove is coming out in July. That month is done. I don't know if I should come out in August. I should let a break happen. Then I can take over the entire fall. I can take over all the homecomings. I can take over all the freaking college orientations. You know what I'm saying? J. Cole, J. Cole didn't think that out, yo. Before I forget, um, in particular, probably to Tribe, what do you guys think of this whole Jay-Z signing the deal with Samsung to put his records out, like going platinum before it's even released? I, th- I think it's brilliant. Um, yeah. You, you know, I think I think it's smart. I mean, it's akin to like what Prince did over in the UK many, many, like many years ago. He put like his album in like one of the, uh, not tabloids, but like one of the newspapers. You know oh, yeah. what, Sean? Yeah. I got the, when I went to see him. They were giving that album out for free as well, and that album's all yeah, right. It's part of the ticket price. Yeah, was that yeah. musicology? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, and, yeah, that record is dope. And so, yeah. and so, you know, I mean, it, it's smart. And and the thing is, this this type of thing works as long as people can still access it from other outlets. The thing mm-hmm. is, is that Samsung gets it like four days early. So mm-hmm. so Samsung users, if they're smart, can like just boom, download it to their phone, and then move it to their computer and they straight. And that's cool. Because guess what? It's still going to be everywhere else later. I'm patient. I can wait. So if, if anybody is salty about that, I'm like, just wait three days. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> that, That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's going to get, it's, the album is weird. The album is not weird. It's, it's, it's interesting to sit to talk to hear the music industry talk about it, right? Because more than the people, because the Billboard had to say like, we're not going to, we're not going to recognize these million albums, but we're going to expect that he's going to sell four hundred fifty thousand, and we're probably going to change the rules 
after this comes out. Yeah, yeah, afterwards, which is still fucked up, though. You know, what yeah. I mean, it's it's like akin to to like go back to like professional, like American American football. Like when the Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl against the 49ers, that whole season they created the no huddle offense, which is now a staple in the NFL. Okay, it is yeah. a staple in the NFL. But in eight, but that year. They were the only football team that did it because they created it. And all the NFL teams bitched about it all year. So they got to use it all through the season, all through the playoffs. They get to the Super Bowl, the NFL's like, you can't use the no huddle. Damn. I'm sorry, boys, but that just sounded like German to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't know, I don't even know what a okay. no huddle is. A no, a no, huddle, a no <laughs> yeah. huddle offense is it's like this. Okay, Like when you're playing when American football. You know, normally what you'll do is you go to your huddle, you say your play, and then you yep. go to the line and hike the ball. No huddle is different. No huddle means you don't huddle. After the first play is called and you get to the line, you just go back to the line. You so. go back to the line for the next play. So, okay. so now the defense can't get set. And the defense is like, oh crap, what do we, what do, we do? You know what I mean? So they have, they, they have to be on their P's and Q's. No team did that consistently until the Cincinnati Bengals did in like the late 80s. Because, like, uh, Sam Weich, the head coach, started it. That season, they went to the Super Bowl. They ran that offense the whole year. They got to the Super Bowl, and the NFL said, you can't use the no huddle against the 49ers. It's like, how do you do that? You know, that's bullshit. You can't do that. And it's, and it's similar to how Billboard and, and, you know, Billboard in the music industry is going to treat Jay-Z towards these pre-sales that he already has because this deal with Samsung. It's legitimate. You know, yeah. it, it, it's... It's legitimate numbers, but because it didn't go through the conventional routes that the music industry is used to, they're like, no, it's, this doesn't count. And Julian is right. They'll probably change the rule afterwards. No, they, they, they literally, like, the Billboard magazine that came out, like, after the announcement, first of all, it has Jay-Z on the cover. And it's the feature story. They literally said that they're going to change the rules after it. Like, they, they had a conversation. Like, before the ad, before everything, they went to them. So it was kind of basically like maybe if they would have worked with Billboard even earlier, uh-huh. they might would have let it go. But the fact they kind of did it, talked to them about it, they decided, and they didn't come out with a decision until after the commercial. That what they were going to do. So this has been a long. Like I had to read the Billboard article, just, but they basically like, yeah, this is probably going to change everything. So we're going to have to change the rules. But it's just weird. It's just he. Oh, yeah. He so he's platinum on release. Yeah, yeah. He's like if it was anybody else, it would seem like a desperate move or like a gimmick or something. And it, you know, it is a gimmick, but it's not a desperate move because, like, like you were saying, Julian, he's guaranteed to go platinum no matter what he does. Yeah. Like I would. Like, people are going to buy a million copies of a Jay-Z bluegrass record. Yes. Yeah, you know? no, you're true, you're true. Do, do you know what I... Do you not think, like... Like, I don't, like this is not a negative at all, like, because I, I... Does this not render Billboard more and more redundant? Like, these sort of moves? They, they, they become... Absolutely. They, they are. Like, they kind of... They, they are, aren't they? Should, like, they, yeah, but that's what they're terrified of. Because I, yeah. I know in this country, that like... The, like we have a similar thing is just like the top 40 albums and singles charts no one has looked at the top 40 albums and singles charts in years they're irrelevant nowadays because of well because of the way the music's delivered to us now yeah like it's they had to change everything like they recently had to start adding in youtube views and, yeah. and spotify <laughs> everything like a, a hot single like a hot single right now is not just sales anymore like it's YouTube views, 
it's Spotify spins, it's Pandora, it's all that stuff added in that they get the data and they bring it in and decide what's hot because some shit might not even have that many spins on radio. What, but it doesn't matter because motherfuckers ain't listening to radio no more. Exactly. Like, that shit gets 50 uh, million freaking YouTube views. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was slagging off Meek Mill half hour ago, but again, I'll have to give him credit where it's due. Does Billboard matter in a day and age where Meek Mill can release a mixtape on that piff and it goes 2 million double platinum in a week? True. Does Billboard matter at all? Yeah. 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 And freaking um, OG Ron C, like the chopped and screwed version of Take Care, 10 million downloads. I'm not. I don't really know the way the way the, the billboard works in the states, but I just think that more and more, and when you've got more people like Jay Z doing this, and do you know what, I'm a strong believer that Kanye West leaked that album himself. So when you've got people like Kanye doing moves like that, does it really matter anymore? And when you're that relevant, the Jay Z don't care. I'm sure he doesn't give a monkey's whether he goes platinum or not again. He's gone platinum so many times. Yes. But like, he doesn't yeah. care. He knows, like, like and uh, exactly what you were saying before, Tribe, like, like well, I was talking to a pal about Kanye, about the same thing. Kanye West is one of the biggest pop stars on the planet now. He's now in a position where he can record a hard trance or techno album and people will still buy it because mm-hmm. they want to hear what he's got to say. And yeah. like, see, and the same goes for Jay. In fact, more so for Jay because he's been in the game now almost twenty years. Yeah, their album releases are like they're cultural events. They're not just record releases for music. They're they're like entire. They're like holidays. You yes, know? very much. So, I just I don't know. Like, I think we're getting to the tipping point now. I've, I really do believe that. I think within the next five to ten years. The music industry, the landscape's just going to change so radically. It's been bubbling under the surface for the last decade or so. But just in like, like you guys must have seen it, just in the last year or two alone, like the amount of mixtapes that are just getting put out for free again and again. Like, look at this Watch the Jewels thing. Like, I'll yeah. run the ju- oh, Watch yeah. the Jewels. Watch the Jewels is, will be the new <laughs> album with LP, Killer Mike, Jay Z, and Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look at this Run the Jewels thing. Killer Mike and LP, two real, like, oh, nowadays OGs in the rap game. And they've gone, yeah, we're putting out a 10-track album. We're going to put it out for free. Do what you want with it. In this sort of world, what, what, what does, like, do record sales even matter anymore? Yeah. Because they're going to make money off the shows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're doing a hard month of touring. Yeah, I don't I, see him coming to the UK anytime soon. Now. I saw that tour list. <laughs> I'm actually upset. I'm going to be on the road when they come through Atlanta, and I'm not going to get to see him. And I missed him last time they were here too. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know. I like I just it almost feels like the old guard are like clinging on to the last like gasps of breath that they've oh, got. Absolutely. Like and this whole this billboard thing, like retrospectively counting counting the sales after Jay Z's album come out it just sounds ludicrous to me it's just like come on you need to be ahead of the curve otherwise you're going to become extinct boy i don't know but look the one good thing is the rap game in particular is alive and well i feel like 2013 has been absolutely beautiful year for rap music admittedly there's been a lot of garbage out there but there's been some great records released so far and you know what people are talking about and when you've got twitter and facebook and all these sort of things you don't 
don't need the the mainstream media or the radio to tell you to what to go and listen to anymore. Like yeah. I follow you guys on Twitter. You like you know I, I follow a whole a bunch of other guys like with similar interests. So if one of you saying to me, "Oh, this new album's dope." I'm going to get it. I don't need to go and listen to the radio or consult the newspaper no more. Something else that uh, we you know, can also take in consideration, too, is going to be a time where people won't worry about talking about going platinum or going gold. And and you and you won't and people won't use that as a form of credibility as to say whether an album is good or not. You know, when we all know that regardless of what a record sells, that is irrelevant. What matters most is, is that did you enjoy the album or not? Sales exactly. mean sales mean nothing. It's I mean to me like I don't let I don't let sales you know justify whether I'm going to listen to something or watch something or not. If I want to check it out, I'm going to check it out, and if I enjoy it, I enjoy it regardless of what it sold. You know, if an album doesn't sell a lot and I really liked it, well, it makes me sad because I might not get any more from said artist. But I don't let that be the qualifier as to whether I should listen to a record or not. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. hey, how many totally. how many millions of copies did did uh, Cool as Ice sell? <laughs> hey, there was a period in the mid to late nineties where, like, if you were going gold, you were getting dropped from your label. So yeah. ever Memphis Bleak went platinum. Like, <laughs> that's uh, like sorry to any Memphis Bleak lovers out there. Like, I do apologize, but <laughs> wait a minute, was that, I mean? Was that the Memphis Bleak album where they put the Jay Z single on there? Yeah, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, it had to be. It could only be. Because the with the Oliver with the Oliver Twist sample. Yeah, yeah, anything. Yes, oh, okay. the, the, or was that the Beanie Siegel album? No, it was the the, the, the Bleak album that had the actual Jay Z song on it. Oh, no, it? Was what was talking about is that your bitch? Yes, because that was supposed to be originally on Life and um, Volume Three because of the leak, because uh, you know the whole thing with Undias or whatever, and that album leaking. They took is that your bitch off Volume Three, and then it just magically popped up as a Memphis Bleak single. No, no, Even no. There was another song though too. There's another Memphis Bleak album, and Jay Z did a song called Dear Summer and put it on the oh, Memphis Bleak album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's but it was just Jay, wasn't it? And then Bleak hopped on at the end, like post production, isn't it? Is that a fun song? That yeah. tune is serious. Yeah. Sorry, I will sing a few oh little samples of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to Jesus. Oh, please. Okay. Yes. Okay. And we, we we need to talk about this because uh, especially after after the after the leak, after it showed up in stores, showed up on Spotify. I know it's been heavy on you know on everybody that's that's on this episode. I know it's been heavy on y'all's minds. Um, you know what? I want to start with Tribe on this. I want to get his opinions on it. Man, I okay. So I listened to this record when it when it leaked. Obviously, I downloaded it because it's a cultural event. And, uh, man, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Mm. And, um, like, production-wise, it was, like, the first listen, it was just interesting enough to get me to listen to each subsequent song. But the rapping on this is terrible. It is god-awful. Like, easily the worst thing that Kanye has ever done. And I think... um, I read somewhere that Rick Rubin made a statement that, you know, Kanye just kind of went into the studio and half-assed all of the lyrics on the spot and then just went into the booth and recorded them. And it's like, it's so easy to tell that 
and it's like it, it is so obvious on this album that the production is the focal point and that's really all that he was really caring about in the in the making of this record because the rapping you guys it's just bad <laughs> it's just it's just oh, bad shit. guys that said there are songs on this that are incredible black skinhead is it's easily my favorite song on this record it is a great song and i don't i want to i you know i want to hear what you guys think but please believe we are going to talk about Blood on the Leaves, because that shit is straight up problematic. So, I love that song so much. <laughs> this, this episode is gonna just fall down like a house of cards. On me. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've just entered the high part of the episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, let, let let me get in on this real quick. Um, I've listened to this album a few times over, you know, from its debut. Um, when you know, by the time this you know, when this episode airs, I've listened to it a number of times. Production-wise, it it is it is clever as far as production, samples, tones. Um, like like what Tribe said, like the song "Black Skinhead." Production-wise, it's like it's it's the craziest thing. It's like this mash between like Gary Glitter, punk rock, '80s pop, and like Miami bass. And it's yeah. it's like the strangest mashup ever, but it works lyrically. In some spots, this song is strong, so I'm cool with that. New Slaves is still, as far as like lyrics go, and I'm not talking about the singing at the end. I'm just talking about like the rap lyrics itself. New Slaves is like these to me the strongest lyrical song on the album. Period for me. What song again? Um, New Slaves. Okay, yeah. New Slaves is like the lyric is like the lyrically strongest song on that whole album to me it came off as just like kanye was like okay this is the song where i want to make my point everything else it's about the production but this is the song i'm going to make my point and y'all going to remember remember this song and we're good um my favorite but like my favorite song and it's really just because of the production is bound to and the only reason why is because the charlie wilson sample is the best part of the whole song because it just comes out of nowhere and it pulls yeah. you into this other world and I'm like that is brilliant. But like a lot definitely of definitely one of the high points. Oh yeah, and and but lyric oh, to, to to me to like to me like I, I don't need Kanye to sing no more. I I just don't, and I I, I, I don't I don't need him to sing Agreed. no more. You know, but um. <laughs> Yeah, and I understand why he does what he does. He can do what he wants to do. I know he is a, he's a production genius. I get that. He probably does like builds like five tracks a day, you know, seven or five days a week. That's great. But please, brother, take some singing lessons. I, you know, just just please, because even Puff, Puff could not sing. Go back and listen to early '90s Puff before he was part of before before Bad Boy really hit. Okay, and he would try to no, no, no. I, 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 let me correct myself. Even when Bad Boy <laughs> was like doing things, and when um, Life After Death came out, go go listen to uh, Player Hater when Biggie was singing, and that was funny. Then go listen to when Puff started singing. He still couldn't sing. It took years and lots of money and technology to finally get Puff to the point where his voice sounded decent for singing. Not rapping. We're not talking about the rapping because he got mad ghostwriters. We're talking about the singing. 
just I, I can't I couldn't deal with the singing. His singing took me out of songs. You know, or even like something like Hold My Liquor, which lyrically, the rap-wise, the rap part, I'm cool with. But the singing before it, I had to stop it five times before I could go in and listen to it again. I can't hold no liquor. <laughs> <laughs> These bitches can't hold me. Yeah, nah, fuss with Go, Keith. Go, Keith. Go. Yes. <laughs> I, I just, I, 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 I couldn't deal. I couldn't deal. And and I'm, I'm with Tribe. Blood on the Leaves. Although production-wise, production... It's incredible. The concept of even using that song and that sample, along with everything else in the production and the and the creation of that song, is brilliant. But I can't take Kanye's lyrics and then look at the actual overtone, the actual tone of what "Blood on the Leaves" means. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. I, I do. You know, I that. can't accept that. You know what I mean? That's because like Blood on the Leaves is like historical music. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It, it, it's it's historical music. It has weight. It's not just a pop a- song. Absolutely. E- it's like the defining anthem of like the civil rights movement. And it's it's important. Yeah. And it, and it makes it di- and that makes it difficult for me to take, you know, to like any for anybody to take that and put different subject matter around it, especially in the context of the civil rights movement, and to do that. Now, see, now, granted, that's it's controversial. Kanye is controversial. That's what he does. So, uh, you know, thinking about it that way, I'm like, well, yeah, it makes sense. He did that, but still, I can't, I can't get behind that. But I will, admit, but I can attest to the fact that production-wise, that was it was brilliant. But I still can't, I can't deal with it. Yeah, um, no, it definitely it um it sounds beautiful. Yes, and you know, if there was no lyrics on the song, I could just listen to that forever. Mm-hmm. But I like to me, it's almost more problematic if he just made the song without thinking about what he sampled. Yeah. And I kind of like, I almost want to believe that because I can't in my mind fathom the idea that he thinks that, you know, having to pay child support is the same thing as fucking dudes getting lynched in the 50s and 60s. I know it on a real he did that for the exact exact reason he did it to rub people up the wrong way man I can't think of anything else because he wrote he like new slaves like the lyrical content of new slaves would work better over blood on the leaves right so he's not like it's not within his ability to start getting a bit political and talk about things like that he done it to just I'm convinced he's done it to piss people off I'm convinced of it yeah I I I, I think I'm a like I can't defend it, and I see where everyone's coming from. I think since I ain't gonna lie, I listen to this album a lot. I listen to it at least about fifteen times since it came Preach. out. <laughs> um, for me, what I can see in it, and people can call me on some bullshit on Twitter, which is gonna happen. People gonna call me on message boards when they hear this episode, like it's gonna happen. But I think what he's doing with blowing the leaves, it's like it's it's like all falls down too. So he's talking about. I think the state between black relationships as they are now in current in the current situation as it is, which is there's so much things about child support, money, chicks have trying to have babies by rappers, the fucked up nature of the relationship and everything, and then you're gonna mix in shit like down for my niggas. And you're gonna mix in blood on the leaves. Like, even though we don't wanna say it, even though even though we got a black president, yo, black America's real fucked up right now. And we yes. might be in one of the most mm-hmm. toughest areas we've been in 
since the civil rights movement with unemployment, incarceration, personal wealth. The overturning of the Voter Rights Act. The voter, all, yeah, all that coming that out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, shit, shit is real. Jim Crow about to come back. I'll be, yo, I'll be worried about my people down south. Yes. I'm worried. Do you know shit that two real. hours after they did that, Texas started doing some shit? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so like all this stuff is happening at the same time. And I think I think people don't give Kanye enough credit for how intelligent he actually is because he's really brash and he says a lot of dumb shit. I he's think passionate. he sees some he's yeah, he's passionate. And he sees he sees some of the things things we all see and he's gonna probably put it out there in a way that people don't like. So as I said, to me, for me, Blood on the Lead, like I only really dislike one song. But on the leads, for me, Jesus, Jesus starts out one way. It ends up on old Kanye. So every track leads you closer and closer and closer to college dropout. Yeah, like he's regressing or something. Yeah. I totally agree with that. You start on some rock mid-90s shit. And then he's going through everything of this of his fucked up mind, like some of the same things in uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but it's, it's got a lot of 808 shit in it in terms of his feelings, which is the singing. And and then by the time you get to Bound 2, Bound 2 is like some 2004 Kanye. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it's almost like a shock. Like, what the... How did we get here? And then you start listening. That's when you start hearing it. Like you go back to track six. You go back to Blown on Leaves. Like, oh, he's going to use that Nina Simone sample, not the Billie Holiday sample. He's going to use the soul sample of Blown on the Leaves. And it starts, he uses more dance hall shit as you go on and on. He starts pulling in more R&B, more things you would expect and compared to the sounds at the beginning, which is heavily Daft Punk. And you can say the first half of Yeezus it's the Daft Punk album everyone expected. Because hmm. the bleeps and the bloops and the technology, all that shit is on Yeezus while they made this old call back to old AM radio. So some people who didn't like Random Access Memories, which they're crazy. Um, <laughs> and it was like, I want old Daft Punk back. Well, you just need to listen to the first five songs on Yeezus. You got old Daft Punk. And then you go to that, and then it just switches up. I'm with you, Tribe. Some of these raps are fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but in a I French get the ass restaurant. Hurry up with my, my and, damn croissants. My yeah, damn croissants. You know what? You don't say, I want to say that to somebody so bad when I go to Paris. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I want to say. I say, where's my damn croissants at work for no reason? <laughs> you know what? Like, on a real, like everyone's getting hype about the croissants line. I want to know what a French ass restaurant is. <laughs> like, what is a French ass restaurant? That sounds like some kinky business to me. Like, <laughs> the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna After be honest. I'll, 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 I'm gonna have to roll with Judium right now. The album's <laughs> quality is, it's amazing. It really is. Um, no, 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 yeah. You have to take my reasoning before before you start writing it off because I think musically and lyrically I think it's borderline genius, right? right? Oh, and I, but again, please don't write me off. Please don't write me off. First off, first off, right? Everyone's like, oh yeah, this is this is the Yeezy punk out. Like this is Yeezy's punk album, rare all this sort of stuff, right? For me personally, this is Kanye West's London album. Like if you listen to the way that the whole album sounds from top to bottom. 
half of these tunes would not sound out of place in a sweaty dank dance in the east end they wouldn't like you hear new slaves that dun, 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 dun. That, that that's pure hudson mohawk and i know you were saying judy and there's a lot of daft punk on there and there really yeah, is a lot of, of daft punk on there i've got to put my hands up to hudson mohawk and uh Lunis as well like what probably the biggest master stroke kanye's pulled in recent years is signing like hudson mohawk to his production team because that guy like people in london have been going crazy about him him for a few years he he's got the dance scene on his shoulders in this country so for that to happen big props and like like when i say it's his london album like there's like the whole uh like trappy sort of like the the the, the londony style trap that's like hot at the moment there's a lot of dance hall and bashman yeah. and reggae undertones on this album which is i know obviously it's jamaica but it's pure london that is pure london um would you describe it right. as like was it grime? I, and I don't know what grime is. Like a little bit, like you know, the tune that sounds the most grimy is, is track one on site. That sounds like a grime tune, which is a jam. And you know what? Like he sets his mission statement out from the first line that Yeezy season's approaching. As soon as I hear that, that that makes me get Juicy J hype. You know, like yeah, this, this is the one. Right now, when it comes to the lyrics, I'm not going to lie to you. He talks utter nonsense, like utter, utter trash. But you know what? There's two things that he does that are just incredible. Everyone's talking about croissants. They've been talking about them for the last three <laughs> flipping weeks. No one was talking about croissants before Kanye West was saying, hurry up with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like he, he comes out with like different, like, when you hear that tune, that I'm in it, and he says, Michael Douglas out the car now. What the? F what does that even mean? What does Michael Douglas out of the car now even mean? I don't know, but I like be, it. It sounds he be nice. That box. He be eating that box. That's what he be talking that's about. That's what I, I thought he was talking about. I thought he was talking about some Catherine Z uh, like throat <laughs> problems. But anyway, like and like he's just got so many like like he doesn't have quotable verses, but there's so many just little lines that stick in your head. Like on that blood on the leaves. Tune, like just that on and on that alimony I, like that was running through my head for weeks just that one line nothing else like he's got this magical power of just like making you remember things and the other thing that no one gives him his props for right this album is a difficult album for any like tribe you'll be able to agree or disagree more probably better than anyone but it's a tough album to flow over every track is different from the last like mm -hmm. and he hits the ground running on every mm. single track his flow is ridiculous like his lyrics are garbage but his flow he, he adapts his flow to every single track and you've got to commend the dude for that he knows what he's doing and like yeah absolutely it's just dope and like and the, the one thing i will say last thing before i sort of like sign off on my drop my mic moment jesus is the best album i've heard in years rare, rare, rare. um <laughs> he, he's a clever dude like <laughs> my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was his album where he had everyone and his brother all featuring across the album yeah he's done the same thing with jesus but this time he's done it with producers if you look at the production credits on this album like just one track alone will be pro uh, produced uh, production credits are like rick rubin travis scott daft punk hudson mohawk yeah mike the D. songs the songs he's on this like album six have or seven movement. producers the the songs on this record are so dynamic and they have movements and it's because of exactly what taylor was talking about there's so many people involved in each one and that's that's what kept me listening is that each of these uh beats are so 
you know, they go so many different places and they do so many things. And, you know, Kanye is constantly having to readjust his flow to keep up with it. And that's something that's really specific to him is his flow has never been the sharpest. Like he doesn't have a sort of staccato rhythm like Jay-Z has. His is much more fluid and it like his words run together a whole lot. And um, like because of that, I feel like he's able to really adjust to the beats really well and make make his flows always sound really good. Even if what he's saying is garbage. And do you know what? He's, he's pure garbage. I'll put my hands up. I'll be honest. I'm I'm not really looking forward to this Jay Z album. I'm a little bit worried about it. Um, like I know Jay's uh, just like just an MC, but I know he's an MC, and Kanye's obviously got the producer hat on as well. But after listening to Jesus and seeing how brave he was with his production choices, I'm just scared the new Jay Z is going to be more of the same. And like, I think that this album, Jesus, is really for for, for not for just MCs or producers, but for people who want to be artists, it's set the bar pretty high. Like, like he's just put it all out there. And like, look, I know a lot of people are saying it's difficult to listen to, but as I said before, half of the tunes on that album would go off in a club. New Slaves, On Site, I'm in it. I'm in it. Admittedly, like some of the lyrics to like, I don't know what it is because I used to listen to Uncle Luke. Like, so I know about crass lyrics, but there's something about it when Kanye says it, it just sounds so much dirtier. But like, the tune is ridiculous. As soon as Assassin comes in and he starts doing all the bashment rhyming, like, starts spitting that reggae double flow, I was just like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, I was dancing around, walking to work. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't think anything's going to hit this. Yeah, I'll be honest, I, I'm going to put my hipster hat on. The only thing that I think is going to come close to this is Danny Brown's new album. I think he's just as brave. He'll put them sort of choices out there. But yeah. hey, that's just me. Well, but also the, and I ain't all there. <laughs> no, but I think it's also one of those things, though. It's just that like each each of these people that you just mentioned reach different audiences. Very much so. You you, you know what I mean? Like like Julian has said many many podcasts ago. Like Jay Z is Jay Z is older than than Danny Brown. He's older than than Kanye, and he's living he's living a different life than he was a decade ago. So I expect him to rap about different stuff. You know, you know what I mean, and Definitely. this—I don't know if it's going to sound right, but he continues to grow up. I guess I don't know. I don't know if that's if if if, if that's what I really mean to say, but but it's just like it's like maturity. And I'm not saying that Kanye is immature. It's just that Kanye does things differently. I bet you when Magna Carta comes out, I will cop it, and I will probably end up enjoying it because like I've enjoyed what what Jay has done over the last X amount of albums. It's definitely going to be a major turn from. Um, you know, from the days of a reasonable doubt. You know what I mean? It's going to be a turn from when he first hopped on Def Jam and did In My Lifetime, Volume 1, 2, and 3. I mean, still, to me, nothing touches the blueprint. But, um, oh, no. But, but still, I, 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 love, I love seeing all these different phases of Jay. Uh, you know, I love that. Absolutely do. Because, you know, it's, there's just so much to talk about from that growth. And even during the starts and stops, because not everything is great. But um, there's so much that can be talked about from it. But I will say one thing about Jesus: when the song when the song "I Am a God" comes on and that bass line hits and it's and the music starts, every time I hear that song, 
I think about that episode of Regular Show where the basketball god comes from out from the moon and he's in his and he's in his like laced out hummer with the with the spinning rims that's all i think about when i hear that song yo when i hear that song i just think about new guys dude i just think about the fourth world every time i turn that song on and then the my favorite part of the whole song is that i just talk to jesus he say what up jesus Jesus. i say chips Trying to stack these millions. You know why I like that shit? Because I put freaking Jesus in my goddamn comic for freaking four months. I'm like, yo, I think he kind of bit my comic, yo. I had young Jesus with the hands for like three months. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? I like the little shout out, Yeezy. I know you be reading my comic. You don't want to say nothing. You be reading it. You know it's hype. That's why I Yo, Taylor's right. Like, this is a club album. I, I won't be surprised if, like, the entire album gets played at, like, the club at any part of time when people are going crazy. I don't like to dance in the club. I'm not my thing. I'm kind of self-conscious. I like to chill in the back and watch people. But I, I like listening to club music. Oh, like, on site. When it cuts into that gospel sample, I almost wanted to fall out the first time. <laughs> I was like, oh, much in it. I, I was like, just... Oh, this is everything right here, and then like, oh, and then it just kept on going. It just, I was like, you know what though? That, that's some of my favorite points in the album are the bits where two thirds of the way through the record, he's, you can tell he's just like, I'm bored of this now. I'm gonna put something totally different on for four bars, and then he just he does it on that unsight tune. He does it with Charlie Wilson on Bound Two, and even like the best I've heard of Kid Cudi was the the little bit. Is it what's the name of the track? The track after I'm in it, Guilt Trip. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like, they do a little two two to four bars where he just changes the beat up entirely. Yeah, no, I just love the way he just changes it up, like, two-thirds of the way through through some of the tunes. Like, he's just bored of listening to the record, and he just wants to put something else in, like the little gospel bit. There's a bit with Kid Cudi, the bit with Charlie Wilson at the end of the album. It's all just, sonically, it just sounds quality. It sounds so good. Yeah, it's like schizophrenia in a good way. Mm-hmm. Very much so. But I was supposedly, if 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 the rumors are to be believed, Rick Rubin's hand in it is that he took the album to Rick Rubin and it was like three and a half hours long with oh hardly any lyrics on it. Yeah, it li- literally, it was like three and a half hours long with no lyrics on any of it. And he was like, "What do you think of this?" And he was like, right, "I'm gonna take this away. I'm gonna take this away," and then pared it down to like a forty-five minute album. Wow. That's what's interesting about this is the fact that Rick Rubin has a hand in two of the biggest. Rap albums of the year, no doubt. That's a month apart from each other, and that people, the, the artists, are very much connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Like yo, it was like what was happening. Like Easy was like yo, ho, yo, I'm about to go see Rick up in Malibu. I gotta take him the album. I need him to help me. Oh word, you you doing that? I bet. I, I would talk to him last week. He about to work on Magna Carta too. Like that's what it seems like it just happened. It's just like it's like the way me and Sean talk on the phone. Like, oh yeah, man, I'm about to go get this blah blah blah. <laughs> we have like literally like four varied opinions on this album. We are still able to talk about it in a way where we could we do it constructively, we do it critically, and you know, we still walk you know, we still walk away with our opinions on it, and that's that. You know, unlike a lot of pop culture, and this is a, to me, this is a big, big problem nowadays with especially like nerd and geek shit and it just irritates the shit out of me. It's like if you don't want to, if you don't like something, I'm cool. If you like something, 
that's cool. I don't, I don't care. But if I don't like it, it doesn't mean that it's a warranted attack against you personally. Yeah, no one, no one is wrong. No one is wrong. You, everyone is. I often say I am well within my rights to tell you that I think this album is good, but I'm not well within my rights to tell you that this album's good. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. can't tell you to think that this album's good. But you know what? Going back to that, that's the one thing like that no one can dispute about this album from what I've seen. Most music that comes out nowadays is just yellow, like mediocre nothingness. This album makes people feel something. I've not heard anyone go, oh, yeah, Jesus, it was all right. They either love it with a burning passion or they hate it, hate it. Like, there's, or they've, they've all got something to say, like, and yeah. you've got to commend Kanye for that. He's made an album that makes people feel something rather than just, oh, yeah, that was all right. It was all right. You know, you can't take that away from the dude. And I don't. Go on, sorry. Oh, no, I will say this. Rolling Stone giving this shit five stars and Pitchfork giving it nine and a half. Oh, God. Shows shows a certain level of not trend setting, but bandwagon jumping. Yeah. Because it's almost like they didn't really listen to it, to be critical, is that they know it was coming out and it's Kanye. And we're, of course we're going to like it because we're... We're, we're like the hipster, we're the hipster or establishment standard. Mm. I think it's more telling when people give it a three, a three and a half, or even say they hate it and explain why they hate it. Then the unabashed love letters that I read, that shit is a problem because it's not. As much as I like Jesus, it is not his best album. Right. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But And you know what? Adding on to that as well, like, I saw Rolling Stone put a review, like, the album got leaked on Friday afternoon, like, our time come out. On Saturday morning, our time, Rolling Stone had a review of it. I've listened to this album, like you, Julian, at least 15 to 20 times on repeat. And I still haven't made an opinion up on some of the tracks on this album. So how are Rolling Stone able to put out a 1,500-word review on an album that they listen to once through but i guess it's symptomatic of the way the industry is nowadays you know you've got to have an opinion on something straight away before before anything can happen but i don't know i agree i totally agree like i've got some friends who hate it and more power to them for not liking it you know i'm i'm all for that just means i have to listen to it more on my own you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) but it's all love look he's once again regardless of what your opinion is he's coming like he's coming He's blown everyone away, whether it's full of love or hate, and then he's ducked out again. And you, He's one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. You can't take it away from the dude. No, no, absolutely not. And the reason he's so important is because he always takes risks. Quick, quick question, yeah, for, for everyone. Best Kanye West album. Graduation. Album. Graduation, yeah? Yeah, oh yeah. Dark Twisted Fantasy. Show. Okay, the um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember all, all of his albums. Was the song um, "Coming Home Again" was that on graduation? Yeah, "Coming Home" yep. is on graduation. That's the one. 
that's my jam as well graduation that's that, my that's, jam that's the one which album was the one that also had the song where they sampled PYT and it had T-Pain on the track Good Life that's graduation graduation as well yep well there you go there you go <laughs> there you go it's graduation cause like and wait a minute flashing lights oh see yep. that was on there you go yep that's it that's it for dude me. I, I, feel, yeah. I feel you guys like that's like my number two joint but yeah Something to me with the, the my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like runaway so appalled monster devil in a dark, new dress is a joke. Devil in a new the the fact that I fucks with devil in a new dress is like it's like you listen to this it's like it's like a season of Mad Men but each episode is a chapter but you get to and it has a certain theme to it but you get to like devil in a new dress where it's like a, a interlude. It is. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna have Ross jump on, have this dope ass long track. Nothing's gonna really change up. It's really kind of a rap song. It's a regular rap song, like this nice little break. We're gonna have a guitar solo and all this good shit. And then it's over. And then we're back to the regular schedule, you know, chapters of this story. And I don't know, man. I just think it's, it shows, even though now he calls it a backhanded apology, I, 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 I fucks with it the most. Like, m- maybe it's. My caller, my inner, my inner asshole is like, yo, if I get lots of money, yo, I'm going to be like the Kanye of comics. I, I just what I feel like I'm just going to make people hate me. And maybe I just I relate too much to it because it's shit I just don't say to people. <laughs> I love just got a, the perfect picture of you becoming the Kanye of comics, Julian. <laughs> That's just the one. <laughs> no one, no one's ready for me to like really have money and be in San Diego Comic Con. The shit I would do. Oh my god, I would just run up in Marvel panels and shit on them and just leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, do up to like Danny Dio's, like, why are you killing fucking Dyke Dick Rice and saying, bomb, just hit him with like a, just a thing of just powder and just leave. Just like, you ain't gonna do nothing. It's just go to throw a party at like the Ghirardelli Spider, like midnight or something. You know, just banana shit I would just do. Again, I digress. I would be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Props to Kanye. Thumbs up for either making it like making an album that you love or you hate. Well done. Like, gotta give him it. Can't can't take I, yeah, it away he, from the boy. He definitely got I people talking about trying. him. We talked about Yeezus for like about maybe 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could keep going. That's why I'm trying to bite my tongue. Like, just, oh, like, no. oh. <laughs> <laughs> we could have a Yeezus thesis. If, if, if this kept up, but uh, where's where's the TED talk on Jesus? Let's go. Yes, no, that, that, no, but we still have to have the TED talk on the ratchet aesthetic first. Oh, that's the second one. The Jesus one is the second TED talk. That's the panel. See it's the discussion. See, but now you can see. Now we now see. Now we need a third one to close out to close out the trilogy of the of the epic Julian TED talks. We'll get to that. I guess in the next <laughs> next time. <laughs> Well, before we wrap this up, y'all know the deal. Please let the people know where they can find you on the internet and social media networks. I will throw out this disclaimer to save Julian some time. If you try to follow Julian on Facebook, if he doesn't follow you back, don't be offended. He might not know you very well unless you're a high female. All right. Now, we, we, will, we, will start, we will start with Taylor. Taylor, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, find me on Twitter, um, at Taylor Pivers. Um, also, follow me on Tumblr. Um, it's Cobra Toes, as in 
the toes on a cobra that don't exist. <laughs> uh, don't ask why. That's where we put all pictures of pictures that we like and songs that I like and things like that. Feel free to duck in. There'll be lots of Jesus, lots of run the jewels there. Uh, Niles, a.k.a. Tribe One, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you find me online at tribeone.net. It's T-R-I-B-E-O-N-E.net. And uh, I'm going to be on tour from July through September, starting on July 10th in Philadelphia. And if you live in America, I will be coming to your area. Um, so hit up tribe1.net, find out where we're going to be. It is going to be amazing. And Julian, let the people know where they can find you. All right, people, you can find me on Twitter, Julian Lytle. Last name spelled L-Y-T-L-E. Um, Instagram is the same thing. Tumblr, the same thing. You all heard a disclaimer about Facebook. You can follow Ants on Facebook, though. You know what I'm saying? Just search for that on Facebook. You'll get to it. Um, got my podcast up that I actually put episodes out on recently. Ignorant-Bliss.com. Me, Sean, a friend Martheus, and Ian Levinson talk about Power Rangers for two hours or three hours. And then I get released an episode where I talk about how much I hate Man of Steel and how much I like <laughs> e- and how much I like Jesus because them shits came out the same weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, like, and that's it. You know, I, I guess you know you can Google me. I, maybe I'm on other sites too. But yeah, those are the main ones. I'm using MySpace. You won't find me on MySpace, as you know, that's dead. They got commercials. So if you want those few people to jump back onto that, whatever. You can get on me on that too. And people, you should listen to listen to uh, Strictly for My Jeeps by Action Bronson. Oh my so god! It took, it took over my whole week. Oh, you, you you can't bring that up right now. You cannot bring that up right now. That <laughs> yeah. like Sob Stories is the one. This is that oh. EP. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> like the Strictly for My Jeeps remix brought back LL Cool J. Every time, every time I doubt LL, every time I do it, he comes back so hard. Is and he on that? He's on the Strictly for My Jeeps remix. On the he has remix. The, he, yeah. He's on the remix. He has the first verse mm. and he kills it. It's, uh. it, it, it's it's like the ultimate apology for the authentic hip hop. <laughs> Have you boys seen the video? Strictly for My Jeeps video. It's, it's hilarious. But I, what I really much. like about it is that, <clears throat> all right, yeah, he sounds like Ghostface. Yeah, I can't listen to Action Bronson without thinking, mm-hmm. man, I wish this was Ghostface. Son, the- step away from that recently a little bit, I reckon. Yes, yeah, a little bit. But the beat is so like 1995 Queens rap. The beat is yeah. like, oh my God, it's 1995 Queens. Like I can hear Mob Deep spit over this right now. So yeah. The, the remix hmm. is so cold because like I said, LL comes in and kills it, right? And then Action Bronson comes in and kills it. But then Lloyd Banks comes on and then I act like a DJ and just run it back and go back to LL and Action Bronson. So I fucks with Lloyd Banks. Lloyd Banks post G-Unit. I fucks with post I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. That G unit stuff kind of like made me go. Eh. You know what I mean? I'm really trying to, to learn about new Lloyd Banks. I'm really trying. I'm for real. Amidst everything else I do, I'm really trying. I need to be a little bit more fair. It's difficult for me, Julian. I can't lie. Oh my, oh my God! This has to make the recording. Somebody put out a T-shirt company. Paper Root put out a twerk tee with Minnie Mouse twerking and with the twerk letters. The Disney font. People, you must find this. <laughs> you must buy it and you must wear it. If I see you at a show with it, I'm going to give you dap. Oh, my God. It's 
complete ignorance. It's the ratchet aesthetic. <laughs> oh my yes. god! I'm Sorry. Like, I just found it. It is incredible. <laughs> well, one last thing as well before I, like, before we go. How happy must Mike Will made it be? Like he has re- well and truly made it now. He's making. He, he goes from bands to make her dance to make. Making songs for Miley Cyrus, he's making extra cheddar, like more cheddar than anyone else at the moment. I'll give him his props. Shout out to Mike Will made it. Go ahead, Mike Will made it. Go ahead. <laughs> 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 All right, and we go close out on that right there. And that concludes this week's Black Box. The Black Box is a member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at HHWLOD.com, where you can download previous episodes of this podcast, as well as Donnie Salvo's Tales from the Attic and John Carroll's The Carroll Chronicles. This podcast is also available on iTunes. The Black Box is also a member of the Comics Podcast Network. If you're on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment. You can also reach the podcast at blackboxpodcast1 at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next episode, dream big, hustle hard, and never stop.